0: Hey, welcome to the Articulate Ox podcast this is your host soma 79 thank you so much for joining me this is the uh, first episode and i'm super excited to share this with you so what is the Articulate Ox podcast it is a weekly video podcast it'll be hosted by myself artist writer um, filmmaker soma 79 and i will be talking to different creative types and artists about their creative journey i've asked each guest to choose a topic something that inspired them when they were just getting started like maybe a film that made them want to be a filmmaker or maybe an album that made them want to be a rapper or a singer or something like that. And then I interview that guest about that topic and then about their own artistic journey and their own art, what they're working on and then anything else that comes up. So the, the great thing about talking about inspiration is that everybody has a different path. Everybody's journey is unique and everybody's journey is usually pretty interesting, a lot more so than they probably would think when you, know, when you ask them. Um, I had a a few guests on who thought, oh, I don't know that I have anything to talk about. And then when we got on, we realized there was a lot to talk about. The person I'm talking to today is my great friend, John Orchiola, who is a senior features editor for Screen Rant. He's written over 2,800 articles for Screen Rant, which is just unfathomable when I actually think about it. But he covers, um, in particular, he covers topics like Star Trek, Cobra Kai. And over the last few years, he's been forming a relationship with AEW, which is All Elite Wrestling, which if you're not in the know on that, is kind of the hot wrestling company right now. John is a huge wrestling fan, as I have been over different points of my life, uh, particularly now. I'm, I'm into it now. So this is a great time to have this conversation. The topic he chose was 80s pro wrestling, uh, in particular, the Clash of the Champions, like the matches where Ric Flair faced Ricky Steamboat, that awesome trilogy, um, Saturday Night's Main Event, which is something that I watched as a kid and inspired the hell out of me for a lot of different reasons. And uh, you know, we're gonna get into all that in the episode. So John's a great guy. He's very he's inspired me a lot personally over the years because you know I've known him for, for quite a long time. He's been somebody like me that had never kind of gave up on pursuing your artistic goals, whether it was for an audience of one or an audience of thousands. It was always that the effort of doing it was always just very central to us as people. And I always looked to him as somebody who he kept chugging away, so I kept chugging away. And it helped me make progress a lot just by having somebody like him to inspire me in my life. Because a lot of people I know, they decide they had these goals they wanted to do, and they sort of just gave up very easily. So when you find the friends in your life who don't give up, you know it, it rubs off on you, and it's great. John's a great guy. He's a great friend. He's a great writer. He's funny. He's insightful. And I was so happy to have this conversation with him. So check it out. If you're not into pro wrestling, next week, you know, we'll be talking about something else. Though I should warn you, for some reason or another, pro wrestling does seem to come up a lot on this podcast. I think in the first 12 interviews I did, it's come up maybe about six or seven of them. Sometimes only for about 30 seconds or so. But I just find it funny how often it goes back to that. So it seems fitting that John is our first guest and the topic is 80s pro wrestling. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the interview. And if you do, subscribe to my channel on YouTube at SOMA79. All right. This is uh, the first episode of the Articulate Podcast with Soma Seventy Nine. I'm here with John Orchiola, who I have known for quite a long time. John, writer, he I think he founder back of the head. It's, it was his own website for years doing movie reviews, and he parlayed that into an awesome gig at Screen Rant, where he's covering, among other things, uh, AEW wrestling which is awesome. I saw John, some saw pictures of John at comic-con earlier this summer in San Diego with the likes of CM Punk and was orange Cassidy, Britt Baker, Darby Allen. The who's who? I, what that's, I just, I have so many questions about that, man. That's I, as someone I've sure. known you for a long time. We've talked about wrestling for a long time. We watched a lot of some great and bad wrestling together for years. This is very exciting. <laughs> so, yeah, so you, so you wanted to talk about pro wrestling. The idea here is to talk about creative, um, Talk to creative people about what it is that gave them the inspiration. So in your case, you chose pro wrestling and uh, we have some crossover here. So, John, welcome. I'm going to stop rambling. How are you doing? Introduce yourself.
1: I'm, I'm great. I'm great, Tim. I'm great. Yeah. It's funny you, you mentioned that. You know, I think you and I actually became friends, I think, because of wrestling in a way. Um, you know, you and I met uh, back at BU. Um, yeah. I think we were making a film with Alex Merkin. It may have been the aftershock, but I vividly remember visiting your dorm room for the first time. I think we were picking up some equipment or something or picking you up along with it. Um, And uh, I remember looking at your walls and there was pictures of the Hardy Boys. And I was like, huh, this is a guy who speaks my language. And, and, you know, and that's how, I think that's how we started talking. At least that's how, that's my recollection of it.
0: Which is funny because that was, I hadn't watched, so I watched wrestling when I was a kid, but I hadn't watched it until right around that same time. I moved in with somebody who had like a black box and I was like, I was like, I was like Vince McMahon isn't an announcer. He owns it. Like that was like the year, like maybe 1999 (laughs) was when I started watching again. And my roommate was super passionate about it. And so he he was the same kid I watched with as a kid. So he was filling me in, but yeah. So I was like, this stuff's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i probably was happy to was, he... have questions too because like you knew what you were talking about and i was like fill me in the last like decade And <laughs> hey, that was the era also when when i think a lot of us who
1: were fans in the 80s and early 90s were suddenly like being introduced to all these fucking sorry all oh, these truths are fine. okay cool all these truths about wrestling that we never realized as kids the, like vince mcmahon yes. was actually the owner of the company and you know and and hey, we always kind of knew it wasn't real, but now, like, we began to understand, like, you know, just what went into it as a show and, 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 and right. the performance aspect of it and, and the fact it was, you know, it, it was written by a guy named Vince Russo at the time, and, you know, and like, there are all these elements to it that were just be, we were being bombarded with as the internet was, was, a, was this nascent thing that was growing and, and, re, and wrestling fandom um, kind of grew along with it and we all kind of became smart. I think that was the term. We all became smart marks. And then that's a lot of the conversation about pro wrestling at that time was, wasn't just about the storylines, but but also about the backstage stuff that went along with it. And that's kind of what made it interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah. And for me, it was really wrestling and Kevin Smith that got me on the internet. Like I'd been on it before, but those were the things that got me to keep coming back to the internet because it was giving me, that I was trying to find like Eminem freestyles. But it was like those three things that I was like, oh, this is like why the internet's awesome. <laughs> like, which sounds like right, right. to say now, but like, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's wild. Um, so one thing you touched on there is the old idea about wrestling, not being real. And, um, I was, I was thinking about, I have a very vivid memory of the first time that that, that I was approached with that reality. I remember I was going to soccer practice and one of the, I, I was talking to sock. I was like a little kid. I was like, maybe like first, second grade. And I just barely even play with it. And like, I was talking to one of the other kids about how great it was. And the coach was like, you know, that's fake. And my thought was like, what is it like, are they made of rubber? Are they just like really, I, my first, I, what I went to was, oh, they're not actually human beings that I'm watching. Cause it's like, how can it be fake? They, I, they're obviously clearly they're doing things. And it's like, right, and I, right. so I, I always knew it was fake, but like, I never had a conversation with an adult about it until like I was one. So like, I never really knew how it was fake. So like when, and I even fake choreographed, whatever, you don't want to call it. Like we, I, it's the word that's obviously predetermined. Word, I think predetermined. the word is yes. predetermined. Yes. yes. Yeah. So how was your introduction to that concept?
1: Uh I remember being a kid, you know, when I was a kid and I when I was first into wrestling in the eighties, late eighties, I read every wrestling magazine I could find. I I said I I had stacks of them, you know, pro wrestling illustrated. The, and, the, after the wrestler and Yeah, yeah, the aftermags, exactly, the Bill Aftermags. And so I remember there was a story in there about the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and they got pulled over and they were arrested for smoking marijuana in a car. And the fact, the marijuana stuff didn't factor into my mindset at all. What what I couldn't understand was what they were doing in a car together when <laughs> they were blood enemies.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, I know how I could they
1: be traveling together? This, this and, could you know, have been
0: an international like affair. This could have been like you yeah, know right like, right these two guys the UN should other, have actually. been there to regulate it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So like, what were they doing in a car? Like, what happened? Like, did somebody like get stranded and like, you know, hitchhike? Like, I, I, I ran through every ridiculous scenario in my head for how that could be. Was the as iron as ch-
0: ch- in the to- trunk and handcuffs? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
1: as opposed to the obvious thing it was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, that they're actually performers and <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah. and it's not. What, what, what's on TV is not real. Instead, I did every mental gymnastic you could think of <laughs> to justify this. <laughs> in my head, That's and then, so you know, cool. and I think it was later on, a few years later, in the nine, in the early '90s, when Vince McMahon, I remember this too, because it was in one of the after Vince, Vince McMahon went to Memphis to Jerry the King Lawler's um promotion, Mid South, and he appeared as evil, as an evil, uh, the prototype version of Mr. McMahon. He actually did this, this one. Yeah, yeah, he he, he, he went to Memphis. And per- played the evil version of himself for the first time as that. the owner of the WWF, and I was like, "You're owner of the WWF? Like he's just an announcer."
0: Yeah, it depends <laughs> on the <that> geek. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what a maneuver. <I> but- <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then and then as the '90s progressed, you began, uh, uh, you know, as the internet started becoming a thing, and we started getting backstage info. I don't remember the, the exact moment the switch clicked when I realized that you know it was all predetermined, but it was a gradual process from there. But those were the, those were the two main instances when the 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 fantasy of it all broke for me, and I began to see that that there was something more to this than just what was on TV and what we were presented with.
0: I think which was me- a show. The moment when I really understood how it worked is when someone go, but they they actually get hurt, and I was like, oh, okay, like, and I don't know why that's what it was. I was like, oh, so they just put up with it, and they just do their best. Is essentially was yeah. like, okay, and sometimes like, you know, someone's best or other, and it's like that's sort of what gets interesting about it because that whole idea of like like there's some things on wwe and wwf and wwf that i've watched and i'm like they're indefensible it's like at a time when it's something on the tv and i do not want a girlfriend walking in the room at that moment because i have nothing to say <laughs> other yeah, than for- other than you know let's let's look at what you watch maybe we'll find some sort of equivalent or something and it's like and, but there are other moments that are just so beautiful and just so like i mean when i when i put on i mentioned to you before we said recording i have on now um a Saturday Night's Main Event the background on Peacock, which is a wonderful resource, though it is very poorly laid out. Um yes. <laughs> uh, I'm watching in the background here the uh I'm watching actually the Zika eating the head off a of chicken with Mr. Fuji. And there is some there's some <laughs> right. there's some stuff here from a racial perspective in you know, that I, there isn't, you know, wonderful, but, um, it is reminding me that like with the colored backgrounds of like, you know, the, the logos they would do, and how much that captured mm-hmm. my imagination and the ultimate war. And for me, it was really, uh, right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Exactly. Like you could cut a promo on me right now. Um, and I remember <laughs> it was really, I had such a bad taste in wrestlers. My favorite three as a kid were, um, based on this early era, one of them was the TV right now. And that's the Hulkster. Um, yep. Then I love I the love, yep, then I love Wiz Buddy, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And I love the Honky Tonk Man. And those I folks, love the Honky Tonk man too. It's he's pretty great, especially after just watched that match. And with Jimmy Hart there, who was really involved in that match? Somebody really should have done something. But um <laughs> I was just like, man, he's I, I love it. And I love how to this day he's still out there doing his thing. But so who were the guys that really grabbed your attention that really, you know, you attached to?
1: I mean I was a Hulkamaniac. So Hogan was my first my first love. Um, and I you know I stayed a Hulkamaniac pretty much until he left well even well, well, before he left WWF the first time in 93. You know as you get older you become a teenager you begin to tire of the whole red white you know, red and yellow wave the flag act. But I um, to that rap album. So in the nice. 80s <laughs> but in the 80s um I love Hogan. I love Savage and Liz Um, Savage was, was incredible. I love the honky tonk man just for, you know, every time he told you he was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, I have no reason to doubt this. He, (laughs) I believe
0: that was my introduction. That was, he, he cuts a promo at the very beginning of that. And I was like, okay, this is where we're starting. He's the best. Like that was the information. That was the first information I had about wrestling was okay. Honky tonk man. You're the best. Got it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I was, you know, and he, he 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 was always very clear about who he was. He sang, he he danced, and he played the guitar. And it's like I don't doubt this. Like he, he clearly does all three. He has yeah. he has a pink Cadillac. He has he has Peggy Sue. Yeah. He has With he has all He's he, driving it. It's like and I didn't really. Peggy Sue was Sherry Martell, right? Was, yeah, sensational Sherry. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's that's nuts. <laughs> and then, uh, but on the NWA side, you know, when I started reading the after mags, mm-hmm. and I found out there was a whole other company out there, like, uh, another world champion. Uh, you know, a, a whole different thing. The NWA. Um, I, used, I, I, I sought it out and at, but back in Boston, back in the late eighties, you could, I think the NWA was on, um, at like 11 PM on a Saturday night or something, or midnight on Saturday.
0: Well, what's, so what station would have that been on? Cause like, no, I'll just I, I mean, channel 56,
1: or 38, either 38 or 56. It was, okay. it was one of those two
0: my only knowledge of that stuff was seeing going into a store and seeing the cover of the after mags, you know, the, the, um, the PW inside or not, yeah. you know, PW and seeing yeah. like maybe a bloody Ric Flair and going, what? I, right. I did not understand it. And that to me would reinforce the idea it was real. I'm like, this guy's bleeding his ass off. Like this is like, this has to be real. And like, so, but I was like, I never saw those dudes. And like, I didn't stick around long enough to see some of them really come in. I, I don't even think I saw the Flair rumble. I think I was really only in for like three or four years mm-hmm. as a kid. And so like, the idea of anybody up here even getting it, yeah, I think you're a couple years older than me, so I w- I would have yeah. been like maybe like ten. You would have been maybe like you know thirteen or something. So you probably Googled right, right. So yeah, that's
1: like, about right.
0: Yeah. So you were watching this on like channel fifty six or third, like yeah. VPN. Because I didn't have cable either. I didn't have cable until when we met. When we met in two in nineteen ninety nine, I was the first time in my life I had cable. So.
1: Wow! 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. So I did. I, yeah, I did watch that stuff like late night, and then. You know, they used to do pay-per-views back then too. Like they they had their own start. They had Starcade. They had the Bunkhouse Stampede. They had you know they had Clash of the Champions on TBS. When I got cable in '89, I was able to watch that stuff. Watch WCW Saturday Night. Or back then we would just call it World Championship Wrestling on TBS. Wow.
0: My town didn't um, even have cable in 89. You couldn't get cable in my town in
1: '80. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So, I, Ric Flair, The Road Warriors, The Midnight Express, The Four Horsemen, I fell in love with all that stuff, Dusty Rose, Nikita Koloff, Ronnie Garvin, uh, I watched all those things. So I had, you know, I, I had the comparison of the WWF, which was to, still to me the better, sh- not the better show, but the, the more flamboyant, the, you know, the bigger show. And then, but the actual, in terms of quality wrestling, the better in-ring product, the NWA was world ahead of them. And that's Um, something that's
0: interesting, too. That might have been the few years difference in us. The idea of one wrestler being a better in-ring performer than the other was not in my consciousness until mm -hmm. I would say maybe – maybe Kurt Angle almost came in, I would say, or maybe <clears> like, maybe when someone was explaining to me why the rock wasn't, you know, why, despite how popular the rock was, why he wasn't like really the best, you know, that was right. I think the first time right. I understood that. So you understood that as a kid, huh? And like, so that, that may, did you attribute it to them just being more athletic? I mean, cause you, you know, I guess you're understanding that it's fake. Um, it
1: wasn't, it's not so much athleticism. Um, I wasn't looking at it like that. I, I, I felt like the two companies obviously had different styles to them. Um, where Vince, Vince's show, the WWF, was more of a variety show. Um, it, you know, it, they used to call it in the aftermath they called it the WWF Circus, where it was like three. You know, it, it was a three ring circus where you had. It was almost you like a Muppets to some degree. Very,
0: At some points, yeah, it felt yeah,
1: very Muppet-like. Yeah, which
0: exactly, is not a complaint. I love the
1: Muppets. I think they're they're magical. They're brilliant. Yeah. Same here. I didn't have a problem with that. You know, you see, you know, you had you had Hogan on top, and he wrestled a monster. And, you know, the monster would beat him up for a while. Then he'd hook up and he'd win. So it was, it was like a, a comic book. And then the Intercontinental title was like the work the, – well, the term for me didn't exist yet, the worker's title. Right. But, you know, that was the action title. That was the one where, you know, Savage, Steamboat, um, the Ultimate Warrior, I guess, even though he's more of a Hogan type. But, yeah. you know, like that it's was stepping stone the championship yeah. that – yeah, the championship that was, you know, more m- – more athletically based and then the tag team titles were the british bulldogs demolition the heart foundation you know which is again pure action the rockers right right loved all that
0: stuff yeah
1: yeah it was great tag team wrestling in the 80s and 90s was incredible like now it's you know aew has it but not in the wf it's in wwe it's still largely missing it's it's a work Um, in
0: progress i I, to give triple h just some some i don't know he's he's done a good job improving things a little bit so let's hope it's a work in progress um it's funny too because i was remembering that it wasn't this episode that i'm watching now but there's one coming up where the bulldogs i think dropped the titles to the heart foundation in like a really quick match and it was almost like an afterthought and now going back i remember i i know i've read i've read um dynamite kids book which is a Mm -hmm. crazy read i mean that's yeah you know, but um and I understand he was very in very bad shape physically. and Andre was in very bad shape, you know, pretty much the entire time we probably saw him on television. We yes. never saw his yeah. best work. He had to show himself. Yeah. Looking back on it now and understanding what was happening with the individuals in that is really very interesting. It's it's um it's it's pretty wild to think about, and just knowing what we know about Hogan, how you know it's just I'll be Hogan's had his good days and had his bad days. Like and just yeah, like, we we could talk for hours about Hulk Hogan, but um it's funny too. This is something that I don't know. I don't know. I, this occurred to me. when I was watching this morning. You really, in in, in preparation for this, you recommended that I watch the the trilogy, the uh, Clash of the Champions. I mean, the um, the <laughs> Steamboat versus Flair. And I, I not only watched those matches, but I watched the entire shows because there was a lot of people on there that I'd never really seen before, and there nice were like people yeah. I'd heard of, but like and didn't really now have a better context for. And they weren't just. You know, jobbers, and it's like you know, um and left me wondering what's the better weapon, a tennis racket or a Zach Morris cell phone? You know, who knows? Like they both seem wonderful. Um, I, I was more partial to the
1: tennis racket. I was always partial to the tennis racket. I don't know why. Yeah,
0: and I, I just though the the Samoan SWAT team or whatever. I was like, this is why was this not on my television? This is pretty wild. Like I was, like, it. I was. Who, who it. Was it? that was Samu and Fatu right? I think, um, yeah, I think so. I, I, I was yeah, watching yeah. it on elliptical without my glasses on, so I'm like, I need to do some googling to yeah. really figure. So Fatu it out. was to was Rikishi. He yeah, that, Rikishi. Oh, he became Rikishi. I didn't even realize that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I gotta, you know, my glasses and, he, on, and he's so. the father of the of the Usos. Yeah, so, okay, like, you, so. you know, like
1: that connects all together. It's it's it really is a dynasty.
0: Yeah. The Samoan know. dynasty. I mean, like the yeah. one thing that wrestling taught me more than anything is you do not fuck with a Samoan. Like that is one right. thing. That, like I I that's that's. Probably one of the biggest take homes, and you know, I will not, you know. Um, the one thing, so this is one thing I was thinking that as I was watching Steamboat come to the ring, um, looking like he just came from like a church picnic, <laughs> like, <Yes>. and like, <laughs> I mean, and then like, he's, I'm just like, this looks like literally he come from a church picnic, and here's just something he was doing on the way home because like the arena was nearby. And then right. he get, he's he got his kid there, which for anybody who hasn't seen it, he's got his kid dressed up like a little dragon. It's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. His wife is there with him. They are pitching him as the family man of all family men, which he was. Like, that's in my understanding of it. That was the man yeah. that he was. A man whose real last name was Blood and didn't use it because nobody ever believed. Because that, that's kind of a bad guy name and no one would think of him as a bad guy. Exactly, exactly. And then you have <laughs> Flair come in in one of the matches with like 40 women. And it's just right. like, you know, wooing his way and just being the Ric Flair that we all, you know. We all know. Um, and it made me, and then, then rookie Steamboat gets in the ring, he really just turns it on. He turns it into a wrestling machine. And this is a weird comparison, but it got me thinking that this is a little like Orange Cassidy. Whereas like there was such like he just like is this dude back, is doing this, in this interviews that he just and then like when he gets in the ring, I know he does a little, a little uh, you know, shenanigans with the pocket and stuff like that. But he's like a legit wrestler. And it's like not that it's similar in like directly, but it's the degree in personality switch that you see when the bell rings is very similar in a way. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, I don't know. Any, any thoughts on any of this stuff? Like, I don't know. I've rambled. What do you think? No, that's an int- actually an interesting point. I never even
1: considered, um, like th- th- the diametric, uh, link between somebody like Steamboat and somebody like Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Like, you know, Steamboat, Steamboat was a monster when he turns it on, you know, he, he, oh, God, he was incredibly yeah. aggressive. Um, and, and, you know, the best arm drags in the history of the business, but also, you know, he could go the guy, the guy just had, a. a, a like uh, well, he has a gas tank that never expired. And I don't know so, if they were
0: selling them like this, but you, you certainly got a Bruce Lee deal a little bit off. Yeah, there. Like, there was, yeah, the Double Dragon. Off, and I'm not sure Steamboat's ethnicity or anything like that, but it felt like they were trading a little bit off. And that's one thing, yeah. ethnicity was very interchangeable in wrestling in the 80s. Oh, it's sure, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's a much, it was a much bigger deal then than it, was, than it is now. You know, I mean, every every stereotype, every racial stereotype was played into in the 80s and 90s. Right. Um, when you play in the back you know, of the
0: room, you can be broad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah exactly but yeah but the, you know the visual contrast of that also as you were talking about the, the ring entrances where Siebel was like the family man and even though he was the baby face like it was hard to get behind somebody so earnest and white bread whereas flair who's obviously a, you know built up as this lothario with the 40 women you know and the rolex watches and the suits and the and, and and airplanes but he was the guy you lived vicariously through even though he was the bad guy and you're supposed to hate him you know he was that he, he He was more of a fantasy idea of like, well, geez, if I if I were a a pro wrestler with all that money in the world champion, that's kind of how I'd act. Um, But but together, they're magic in the ring. Um, They complement each other perfectly. Uh, It's
0: funny in the promos, Steamboat is almost like dying to give the title back to Flair. He's just (laughs) like he's like I won the title. It was was very fun match, and they're like, "Oh, we have this um this footage to show you," and it's like you know whatever. I think it's just flares like photos on the rope or something like that. And then he's like, "All right, man, we're gonna do this again. All right, you know, fair is fair." (laughs) He's just like, and he's just like so, just like well, it's funny at the time. So did you, did you you watch those matches as they happened? And if so, yes, I watched them as they happened. Okay, was it a big deal for you when Steamboat won? And was it a big deal for you when he gave it when he lost again?
1: Yeah, it was it was a massive deal for me um, um, when when Flair lost um, just because I, I, because Steamboat had never been a world champion in the WWF. Um, you know, he right. was the Intercontinental. Yeah, he was the He was guy the Intercon- who hit the neck, neck.
0: neck. Me, the hit in the neck with the, with the ring belt and that whole story, right. That was where I knew. Yeah, it exactly. Happened. Yeah, that was the most
1: famous thing he did. Was right. And take, it was excellent. It was uh, excellent. His, his larynx was crushed, yeah. and then he beat Savage for the title at in WrestleMania three, which was at the time the greatest WWF match right. I think the of all time. Greatest
0: match in the history of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean that. But that was Steamboat pushed pushed as a as a world title contender against at the time the guy considered to be the best wrestler in the world, the best world champion. Um, and you know, Steamboat Steamboat beating him was a big deal. Um, but it wasn't surprising that that he lost the title again. But he lost the title in the third match, right? Like there was a, there was a rubber match, or, or no? Steamboat there
0: was a won the first one. The second one he won with with under dubious circumstances, and the third yeah, game, the double time. chicken wing and yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah you're right all those then, matches and, held up too i was i was like right. you know I, I think i'd watched them when i got the when i got the um the flare dvd that came out in the mid 2000s and then but i didn't have a lot of appreciation it was sort of like when i read watchmen after having not read a comic book in 15 years and i'm like well i know this is good but i don't know why and it, yeah, when i'm watching them now you're like holy shit these two are just you know tearing it up right it's the green trunks and just oh man, like he's just like, <laughs> and then yeah, oh man, it was wonderful. <laughs> um, so the talk, so let's talk a little bit about how this inspired you. You know, this is this podcast is talking about you know creative people. Yeah. You obviously you now work. Um, you you um, work for Screen Rant. You um, were involved mm-hmm. in bringing a relationship with AEW there, where you're um getting to interview a lot of their talent. And um, so let's link this all together a little bit. How how did this childhood love of this kind of lead along the way to um, to where you are now? Well, you
1: know, I grew up I grew up loving superheroes. I love I love comic books and, and stuff. And pro wrestling yes. is basically that it's an alternate world where with, with a, a certain set of rules where everything's decided in combat. Kind of like a superhero story is, you know, like I had that uh, note to bring that up
0: because for me, they were very tied. And a lot of the people who loved one, loved the other. And for me, who loved hip hop, that was a third thing in that in that thing. They all sort of. Well,
1: well, well, I'll tell you. So in in, in the late 90s, I lived in New York. And at the time, I my friends and I who loved wrestling, we put together a newsletter called Our So-Called Sport. And it was it was based on the fact that we had a cable access show in Medford, Massachusetts for two seasons, also about backstage talking about wrestling. It was basically the McLaughlin
0: group. Holy shit, you told I remember I I never would have this is, I remember talking with this years ago. This is this is me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you still have that stuff. Yeah. Um
1: I have I have I have a, a VHS cassette of some of our episodes, which my friends like are all totally embarrassed by and oh. they, they never want it, they never want it seen in the light of day. But um, so it was basically the McLaughlin group. It was the four of us sitting, you know, in a, in a semicircle with a, with a giant cardboard cut out of The Undertaker behind us. And we was just Lance talked about this. Lance was the- Lance was the host. Yeah, he was. He was our guy. He was the guy who set it up. So um, it. and because so, he was involved with Medford Public Access at the time when he was oh. a teenager. So um, and then so I moved to New York and then that show ended. And then we just turned into an email newsletter, you know, where we would we would write reviews of Raw and Smack, well, Raw, SmackDown didn't exist then, Raw and Nitro. And so, and I, and when I wrote a review of Raw or wrote a review of Nitro, I would weave in all these comic book jokes and references. Um, and then, so what happened was somehow, I don't know how, I don't remember how we had like an, an email list of, of people who were subscribed to us, but somehow some people at Marvel Comics got on the list and oh, so wow. do, you, do you do you even know the story i had I, I, I know, know I,
0: we've talked a little bit when i was working on a graphic novel a few years ago about that you had some relationships with people then but i we never got yeah. into how you knew them yeah
1: okay so so one day one day out of the blue this is like january february 97 i got an email from andy ball who was an editor at marvel comics he was a spider-man editor and he was like hey you know a lot of us love a lot of us at marvel we read your we read in our the bullpen they're, read, you, they're talking yeah. about the bullpen <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of us love wrestling. And we like we read your and we read your 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 newsletter. Like, are you in New York? Because if you're in New York, come on down, like hang out with us. Like we watch we get together and we watch raw and nitro every Monday night. And as it happens, Andy lived. Um, I lived on Third Avenue, and 16th Street. Andy lived in Murray Hill, which is about 20 blocks north. So just like, you know, like a, a 10 minute walk up up Third Avenue. So I was like, I took him up on it. And so I met, I met Andy. I met Bill Roseman, who to this day is one of my best friends. He was your man at Marvel at the time. Today, he is the president of Marvel games. Um, he is a massive deal. I met Mark Bernardo um, and some other guys who at the time were the, were the Spider-Man editors, the Spider-Man group editors. And so for and every Monday night, I would go up to Andy's house. We would order Buffalo wings. We we'd watch Nitro and then we would watch Raw and we just hang out and, you know, and, and, and chill out. Um, and then that's how I kind of got involved with with those guys. Um which is crazy. And so that's, actually, that you know, cra- it's crazy cool. it's just it's
0: blowing my mind because it's like not only is it the Marvel guys, but like, you know, that obviously wasn't the best time at Marvel, but working on Spider Man no. is the best job at Marvel. Like I would say that well, it's, it's, well it's, it's, as it happened bad. a
1: few months later, the big bloodletting happened at Spider-Man and like Andy oh. and, and Mark Bernardo, and then they were they were all fired. Yeah. Um, that was during the whole clone saga. Uh, oh, of, Ben uh, Riley,
0: and like, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like there's going to be, we'll be we seeing that not too long in the future. Like we're we're long overdue for that to be brought to the screen. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: But yeah, so that's kind of how that happened. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still friends with Bill Roseman. I used to sleep on his couch and like hang out and his wife used to make me dinner. And, you know, wow. like when he moved to LA, I started hanging out with him here. Um, he actually left LA and he's moved back to Tennessee. But I mean, I've, I've been friends with him for 25 years. It's crazy. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So I, I forgot what I forgot what the original question so was. So we're talking Why? about just or, um, how
0: how the, the love of wrestling influenced where how you got you got you were today, like you know where is that? Oh, sure, sure, know? sure. Yeah.
1: So I mean, but it's always been it's always been tied to to, to superheroes and comic books and stuff. And wrestling was just a, a, an actual living universe you could visit yep. with had its own yeah, good guys and bad guys, good had its evil own rules. and evil had its own rules. Yeah, and you know, it, 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 but you could you could literally sit there and watch watch. Them fight it out for whatever it is that you know they had to settle, and um, you know. And every
0: and episode was a starting point too for somebody, and that's yeah, something that they yeah. say about wrestling is like there's going to be someone in the crowd who's seeing the first wrestling show tonight, and so you have to appeal to both them and the people who've seen everything. And comic right. books shares that.
1: Yeah, and also you know a, a lot of the wrestlers are also fans of fans of the same things. You know, Kofi Kingston is a giant Marvel fan, for instance, um, and so so many other guys who are 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 into are into all, all the, the same pop culture that we're into, and it's all it all bleeds together. Jay Cargo cosplay as a She Hulk, you know, uh, two weeks ago, um, yeah. on, on the pay per view.
0: I know, know a like, guy it, who makes these really cool Marvel um heads on Instagram, and um, he told me, and, and Dan Housen just was, was a customer of hers recently, <laughs> and like, it wasn't, any, I was like, you gotta make one of those at Dan House, but it was, it was a different character, he said. But like, it's just, it feels like it's the community aspect of it is pretty wonderful, like, um. And it's, it's, there's so much fun to talk about, like what, what there is on the screen, what there is behind the, the, the scenes, what's real, what isn't. It's just, it's almost never ending. Like, cause you can just go, there's so many directions you can go in and the tones are all over the place. And that's the thing that I think that really should have known that it was fake when I was a kid was that like the tone was so inconsistent. Like they're essentially treating something that really should be an arrestable offense. Like, you know, but instead yes. they're selling tickets yeah. like that, that to me should have been a clue. And like, that's one of the things. Things too that i think i'm not i would say i'm pretty neutral on people like the young bucks and like I, I enjoy them at times i really like them at times but in general it's like i haven't really missed them on television you know that with the aw the all stuff's going sure. on but like the people, are like well, the super kick—they've destroyed the super kick. I'm like, look, I watch Ran—I watch Edge punt Randy Orton in the head, and he should—he should never have walked again. <laughs> like, and right, that right. was like one move. And you're just <laughs> like, I—I I, I can't get too precious about about the, the scale of like, well, the DDT used to be a finishing move, and now it's like you know the middle of the match. I'm just like.
1: The one thing that, that that does get me on that subject of, like, you know, killing a move, which I, I don't I don't believe a move is killed, by the way. But, right. you know, you I watch when the,
0: you do it. And, you know, when yeah, he, but
1: I watch like Brian Danielson now, which, you know, his matches in AEW are incredible. Yes. Um, But he'll hit the running knee, you know, and it's now it's not it used to be his finish in WWE. You know, he, that knee
0: when he connects it to the head um, took everybody out. And now, like, everybody kicks out. Yeah, they do. I, what I don't do they know. call that? Every time they say it, I I don't quite get it. The something knee. I'm just like I could look. I, live it I don't. I don't. I don't recall. But yeah, yeah that running knee. Everybody in WWE beat
1: Triple H. It beat Randy Orton. It you know it won him his world title. Yeah, it, with that the fuzzy knee, boots. Was, I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever kicked out of of, of that knee, but in E. W. It's it's a it's not even a finish. And so it's one of those th- things that I always like, you know, that's, that's the only thing that, that always gets me is
0: like that knee, that knee should take everybody out. But now he has yeah. to, uh, it's funny. It's like, cause where do you go from here? Cause the whole idea of like a finishing move is pretty absurd. It's like, oh, this is like, we're all going to pretend like this is the move that when I do it, you just got to lay there. Like, that's just like, we've all agreed upon. It, it that, you know? It but always makes like, sense to me though. It does. And it does make sense to me and I enjoy it. But like, but then over the, over the course, like 20 years, they've started to destroy the finishing mover. It's like, you know, the ring of honors where there's so many kickouts and now that bleeds into the AEW style. And it's like, the the plus of it is that the, is that like people love those false finishes and false finishes are a huge part of AEW. Mm -hmm. I think they're, you know, the the AEW people yeah aw seems like to me like they really are playing to the crowd in the building sometimes more than they're playing to the crowd at home which Mm -hmm. um and i get so excited when i I get engaged these shows i feel like i'm there so i love it and um but like uh the finisher doesn't mean as much anymore. And to me, I think it's, that's almost sort of a good thing, except for when it means that somebody thinks they need to jump off the roof and do 20 tilt-a-whirls to like, you know, get I I actually, I call it it video game wrestling, where you have
1: to hit finish two or three times before it actually works. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what happened. Like, it's not that the finisher n- is no longer no longer worse, but now you, you just have to do it a couple more times. <laughs> Whereas before, once it was enough. Right. The, I think the only yeah. finish the only finish still in in AEW at least that that no one is kicked out of is the uh, the one wicked Angel uh, Kenny yeah. Omega's move. Yep. And one day they're gonna. One day someone's gonna do it, or, or, or unless it's already happened. Didn't Hangman kick out of it?
0: I, I don't remember. He might have, but I, I don't know. Cause yeah. I It seems like a blur. The bit that they were back, but um, yeah, it's um, yeah. I had something in my mind i just lost it <laughs> yeah, just, yeah um so, so so let's go back to a little bit we're talking about about um so you 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 met those guys the, the spider-man dudes from marvel and became friends with them um mm-hmm. we were we were friendly around the same time we said you i think were our, we we met at bu you you had already i think graduated um and i we met through alex um yep and then when we get out of there, we, we started watching pay-per-views together and stuff like that. And you were always writing for, um, I think it was, I don't know if anybody else wrote for back of the head, if that was just your site. No, that was mine. Back of the head was always mine. Back of the head for me was an outlet
1: because I, you know, I, I at the time I wanted to be in film, but I didn't know how to this do is like it. Like around I, 2000, I, I, right? Like late nineties, early yeah. 2000s. Yeah. I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a screenwriter, but I, it, I, I never really put it, put it together, even though I, I believe I have some, some, some talent, some ability in that field. Um, yep. you know, I worked with our friend, Alex Merkin for years. I was his assistant. We, we made films together, but the more we made films, the more I realized I wasn't, I don't know if I actually want to be in the business. Um, you know, it, it was I, so, I, funny, uh, I had a
0: similar experience working with Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing against Alex, no, nothing is Alex, but it made me realize, I mean, this is too collaborative. I don't feel like I have a place here and I don't feel like this is for me and I don't really want to live the yeah, place. of that. Right. Right. But
1: so it, it, was a, it was a long, long struggle to try to find an outlet. And for me, it was just like, well, you know, I, I like movies. I like talking about movies. I like, I like you know, conversing about movies. And I like joking about movies. So back of the head for me was just an outlet. I could write long movie, re- movie reviews or short movie reviews. And, and the format never mattered to me. I could tell jokes about movies. Um, and I never cared
0: who read it. And it didn't matter I remember me at reading all. them at my desk at the office going, this is some funny shit. Like, and we had <laughs> yeah. similar tastes too, so that helped. And we also, oh, we also cool. disagreed about stuff too. And I, I've always really respected your opinion. So, like, you were someone too. There were sometimes I remember shooting you up, like, yo, I'm going to see this. Like, do you think this is something? What do you think about this? And, like, you know, I like that we agree on a lot of stuff, but disagree on other stuff too. It's it's sure. a very good resource like <laughs> that. that's amusing, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and also tastes evolve. So like how I felt about something ten years ago, this isn't necessarily how I felt about it, how I feel about it now. But um. But yeah, so back of the head for me was just an outlet, and but as it turns out, you know, I put ten years of writing into of writing movie movie reviews into this blog, and then for what happened with Screen Rant was um it was my origin story for Screen Rant was it was New Year's Eve 2017. And another friend of mine I met online through a wrestling message board, his name is Albert Ching. He was at the time the managing editor of comic book resources, one of the big, you know, CBR, Mm -hmm. one of the big comic book sites.
0: Regular regular basis. Yeah. Great site.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So he was, he was was an online friend of mine who I'd met, I think once at a comic con, but he, he was a good guy. And then, so he sent, he he put out a tweet about, um, about, uh, a woman named Hannah Shaw Williams, who worked for, who was the editor for Screen Rant, the features editor for Screen Rant. And he was basically like, hey, Hannah's great. You know, you should write for her. So I didn't even know what Screen Rant was, but I, I read the tweet. And then, you know, she said, to you, hey, I'm, I'm looking for writers to write about movies and TV. I was like, hey, I could do that. So I put together, out of uh, uh, purely on a whim, I put together, I picked out three movie reviews I thought were good on back of the head. And then I, I wrote up a little cover letter and I emailed it to her and then I completely forgot about it. Then three weeks later, I'm at the Sprint store, I'm buying a new cell phone, and I get an email from Hannah Shell williams that says, you know, hey, I want to hire you. Here's a contract. And I was like, like, what? So I read the email a couple of times, and then I sent it to my friend, Sean Cronin, who is a U.S. attorney in Miami, and he's also... My lifelong friend since we were 10 or 11 years old, and he's kind of my lawyer. And I, you know, but he's also a giant nerd. He's a big cosplayer. It's cost
0: good to have. I've It's good to have a good lifelong friend who's a lawyer. They come yeah. in very handy. <laughs> yeah, they do come in very handy, especially if they're a giant nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and so I, I sent him the email. I sent him the email. I was like, hey, um, you know, is this a real thing? What do you think? And he like 10 minutes later, he emailed me back, and he's like, if I were you, I'd sign it. I was like, okay. Awesome. So. So I uh, I signed I signed it and then the, the original contract for Screenrant was a, as a features contributor I was supposed to write ten feature articles a month that has now ballooned to sixty or art, sixty articles a week no sixty articles a month so fifteen a week yeah um wow. and, I, and I'm now the I'm out. Sure you have time for this interview? <laughs> I make time now. I, yeah. I've gotten a lot faster about writing. Yeah yeah um,
0: yeah yeah.
1: But yeah, no. But I mean, it's evolved into a lot of things. I mean, it was a long process. But now, like, I'm pretty much like the Star Trek guy at Screen Rant. I released our, our Star Trek feature coverage. I also brought a lot of um, uh, other things to Screen Rant. Like, nobody was covering Downton Abbey, for instance, before I brought it up. Cobra Kai was something I suggested, and I'm I'm the I'm the, the lead for show. Cobra Kai's features, and you know, and and other things as well. So I've kind of expanded outside of the Marvel the Marvel realm, which was you know my original bread and butter, along with a few other things. But um. And then AEW came along and yeah. um, this is actually an interesting story. I think you, uh, we wanted to get into, which is yeah. so I was at. I, so I went to Double or Nothing in Vegas with my friend Jeff. Um, and that was and um, then,
0: the, or this is or right now we're talking on September 24th, 2022. So Double or Nothing yes. was um, how long ago was that? Yeah, So that was uh, Memorial Weekend of of 2022. OK, so that so was that was that was, was earlier this year. Punk was already in the company. Um, yes. Yeah. OK, was the, oh, was the title. I glad yeah. to tell from Hangman at that show. Oh, that was that match. That was that match. Yeah, that okay. Was that match. Yeah. okay, yeah. With the infamous promo yeah. the week before. Yes. Uh, that's why you mentioned getting into this. All right, cool. Um, I just want right. to like, mention one thing before we jump into that. Um, say, sure. I'll, I forget to come back to this. What you just said is really like the classic case of like the 10-year um, the overnight success story where like um, yeah. you just it was, kept it doing five more this. years. Yeah. Well, yeah, even longer. And like, but you kept doing yeah. this because you loved it. And um, that's something like I always tell people in a, when I, you know, I get to talk to young artists, I'm like, just stick with it every day that you're doing this the day that somebody else has quit. And every day that you're doing it, it's, it becomes less of something you do and more of something you are. And when you interview somebody, there's going to be less people like you. And, and when somebody interviews for the big job, you know, the job, they're going to see that there's going to be less people like you, that it's not what you do, it's who you are. And that is really what makes you, you know, be able to succeed in, in a business, you know, to some degree. You know, there's a lot of different ways in the creative fields, but that's something for me that I've always sure. felt. that it's like, just not giving up gets you halfway there. And like, I remember you telling me about that at the time. And I was like, God damn think like i was really happy for you because like i I had, I had heard a screen rant i read screen rant all the time and i was like it's just i i understood that what a level of validation that must have felt like and um i was like that's it helped me motivate myself i was at that time i was coming out of a, like an yeah. 11-year relationship and i was trying to get re- refocus my art and i remember thinking it john did yeah. it, like it was it actually meant a lot to me. like, as i'm thinking about this now it did i remember thinking it was a big inspiration for me to really focus that's incredible, man. I, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I, I did
1: feel like I did feel like it, there was a, a sense of validation to not just getting the job, but eventually becoming good at it. Um, yeah, that helps too. Yeah, you know, and it was a long process to get good at it. I think you know, and I, I don't mind saying I'm, I'm not with somebody who pats myself on the back very much, but I am good at my job.
0: I feel like right, really right. It's right. the always a fake it till you make it when you take that next step up. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, and, and like they know, it's everybody knows. It's like, you know, I've managed people, you know, it's like this person's here and this. I bet I know they can be here in a year, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I mean, it's been it's been an incredible run. Um, it's, I've been very fortunate also within that screen, man. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work, but also I've gotten amazing opportunities um, because of it, um, which have also paid off incredibly. So uh, and, you know, like I for instance, for instance, Star Trek has become. I, and i've always been i've been a fan since like the early 90s of star trek and it's, it's also been something i love but now it's become this amazing thing where um i feel like i'm actually part of, of the star trek family i've been welcomed in i have a really great relationship with, with the people at paramount i've, uh, yeah. I've you know i've interacted with the, with the producers of the current shows and the actors of the current shows i was able to interview them at comic-con i interviewed them at, at star trek day i've i've hung out with them i've gone to the vip parties and, and actually just like spent time with them as as people, you know, and and just chatted with them and stuff. And it's, it's it's amazing. Um, You know, so there's that aspect as well that, that I think the 20 year process to get to here kind of prepared, prepared me for, you know, um, because when, when we were starting out coming out of BU with Alex and we, we were dreaming about making films, it was always about that. It was always about, you know, we wanted, we wanted to be at the Spielberg level. We wanted to be, making huge films with huge stars and in the room with people who were as
0: excited as we were essentially
1: yeah you know and so i felt like i felt like i was prepared at least for that aspect of it because you know we were also we also met amazing people along the way through alex through the actors and and the and the filmmakers he was able to work with and who are still friends of yeah. his. And we made that short ours.
0: film with Adrian Grenier and the Alex we're talking yeah. about, I'm Alex Merkin, check out some of his films. He, um, I recently got back in touch with him after I saw him on the HBO documentary where he was talking about yes. uh, Brittany Murphy. And it, yeah. it was like, it was funny. I hadn't, um, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't heard a lot of that stuff when it went on, but I heard a little bit from people who were involved and the story that Alex told there was the exact same thing i heard back in the day, which I was like, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I heard the, you know, but he came off so well and I was really sorry. It really broke my heart. And um, he's, yeah. he's a great dude with a, with a really great heart. He's very, very talented.
1: Yeah. And incredibly it. talented and incredibly yes. generous. Always been. Very, always very been generous. So
0: generous. And, very, and it's like you can't shake his passion either. Like he, he's got it. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's infectious still, So.
1: I mean, Alex, Alex lives nearby here. Um, he lives 10 minutes from me. Uh, you know, I see him all the time. I, I use his office for interviews sometimes. So, I um, got to get out
0: there at some point, see, especially now that they're all in the area and uh, some other friends out there. Yeah, so. you come hang with us. Yeah, I will. Um, and Evan too. Um, Evan, our friend Evan, who's um, yeah. was doing Tom Cruise As, impersonations. Right. I mean, um, it's, it's
1: that's, that's, that's a funny little claim the family both have. One of our oldest friends is the greatest Tom Cruise Tom Cruise impersonator in the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: i remember getting a text one day from my my best friend from childhood's little sister, and she was like, "I know you said you had a friend who was a Tom Cruise impersonator. I think he's on Entertainment Tonight right now." I'm like, "Yep, that's it." <laughs> like, He's someone too that I may I may reach out to at some point. I know he's very busy. Um, I may have to pay his cameo fee to like you know talk about stuff, but um, he's, he's pretty amazing at it. not Tom Cruise, but um, but yeah, he might I, he might give you time. he might give you a discount
1: on the cameo. It's a, yeah, you know, he might give you the yeah. and Family yeah. discount.
0: But yeah, that that dude can definitely talk, man. He's um he's 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 hilarious. He's just I he just really want, when I think back to those times, like I remember just being at some parties, a Christmas party at um in um alex's parents place with him and my kwan jackson other you know talented dude and um just talking it was just magical like it like it's it's sort of in my mind sort of melds with like eyes wide shot one of my favorite movies back then the lighting Mm -hmm. like that apartment Mm -hmm. was so cool and it reminded it was like you know that was supposed it was like a dream like new york and it's just it sort of melds in my mind a little bit it gives me like the the warm memories you know yeah Those are good, good times. Yeah, it definitely were, man. And I'm um, glad everybody's and everybody's still doing creative stuff too. So, all right. So let's go yeah, back to everybody- yeah so 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 i'm sorry what, what, what do you want to talk about let's talk about double or nothing let's get into what's going on now oh, um, with aw because yeah, so. um i think I, these probably this probably won't get released for a little bit i'm trying to i think i'm gonna do a season of 10 and once that maybe five of them Donald start releasing them so maybe like a month or two so we can talk about like, what's going on now where we think we're going to be then and let's actually back sure. to double or nothing what you were saying where you um the show with hangman pain and punk that was maybe your first introduction to working with yeah. aw yeah, well, as it happens, um, that that
1: weekend all the AEW guys were staying at the Mandalay Bay, um, which is right next to the the T-Mobile Arena where they did the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. So Jeff and I were 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 vacationing in Vegas, you know, for the pay-per-view, and we just hung out at Mandalay Bay. And as it happens, if we just if we just hung out in the in the lobby in the yep. casino, all of the AEW was there. Every, we walked by or passed by everyone. Like I, I, I said hello to Anthony Bowens. I said hello to um, Adam Page, and um, and Adam Cole, and a few other people. Um, Malachi Black. We just ran into them. But but basically everybody was there. There's some people. Taz was just sitting in the sports in the sports area, like at area, Like whole time. We do not want to bother him. Nobody no, you don't want honestly, to bother Taz.
0: I I was <laughs> exactly. big time. I was one of those people who was like hook and action Bronson. Yes, I actually turned off the show after I'm like I'll watch the rest tomorrow. <laughs> <Last night. laughs> I'm into but that. it got in my head. It got in my head. Now that I got, since I've been doing interviews for Screenrant, you know
1: I've gotten to talk to some amazing people. I was like, we, like I want to talk to these people, and, and I want Screen Rant to pay me to talk to AEW. So I was like, how yes. can I make this happen? And I, and I spent the I spent the week I I, I I was I was in Vegas for a week before I came back home and I was you know I hang out at the pool at the resort I was staying at my parents timeshare and I I, I thought I just thought all the time about how I could make this happen like how do I how do I broker an AEW relationship with ScreenRant and have ScreenRant actually pay me to talk to these people like I just want to meet some wrestlers and I want and I just want I just want to hang out with them and talk to them so the Saturday after I got home from from Vegas I'm in LA and I went to um lax fan fest was a little you know a little a little comic con for for wrestlers and there's a lot of AEW people there i met jungle boy i met dr Rick baker um actually hang on i'll be right back
0: it's jungle boy um i
1: very very rarely will buy an actual photo oh
0: uh, uh, it's not really it. coming in because of the um the background yeah. but um, uh, I'll just too mention too that for those who don't know, Jungle Boy is the son of um, of the late Luke Perry from 90210 fame. And he's an amazing wrestler. He's um he's 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 on AEW wrestling. He does a great job. Yeah. John obviously <laughs> knows him. Um and uh, yeah, you know, I don't know um, him. I, I know, know him. I know. And I'll mention too about him. You gotta if you haven't seen the David Arquette documentary, um The David Arquette won't die, or whatever. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. You have? Um, You got to watch this. It's about David Arquette coming back into wrestling, and Jungle Boy's in it, and um, Luke Perry's in it. And it, I got to say, it's some pretty moving shit. Like it's, um, it's somebody in Courtney Cox is in it too. And they're, they're long since split up. So it's entertaining. It's I highly recommend it. You got to watch it. Actually, I got to watch it again, but all right. So you're talking so, about the fan fest. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I met Adam Cole. I met, I met Brit. I met uh, Britt Baker. I met, um, These are big names in wrestling. Now for people who don't know AW as well, AW yeah, sort of coming are. up a little bit competing with WWE. And these are the top stars of the company.
1: Yeah, they're there are some of the top stars. I, I met Jamie Hader, who was wonderful, like the kind of, one of the nicest people I've ever met in wrestling. So, but it was Anna Jay, I was talking to a little bit, and I was like, and I was like, hey, I write for screen. She was the one who came up to me well, when we were talking, she's like, and she was like, How do I know you? I recognize you. I'm like, I don't know. How could you know me? Like, do you watch Star Trek? Like, <laughs> like is that, <laughs> how else? How would you know me? But and we couldn't figure out how she, she might have known me. But I was like, Well, listen, I write for Screen Rant. What would it take to do an interview with you? And she was like, Well, she gave me the name of who to contact at Screen Rant. So uh, I, the moment I got home, I, I fired off an email to, 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 the, to the AEW person. I was like, hey, I write for Screen Rant. We do actually do a, a lot of coverage of, of pro wrestling now. We're, even, we're gonna do even more. We would love to set up a, a relationship and, and, and have AEW talent come in and, and, and interview them and, and help promote your pay-per-views, help promote your dynamite, help promote Rampage. You know, I'm on the West Coast, you know, let's make something happen. And so two weeks went by and all of a sudden I get an email back from John Schneider at AEW and he's like, we, we would love to work with you. And I was like, well, Ooh. I should probably tell my boss I did this now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Get it's easier <laughs> yeah. to be
0: forgiven. Than to get I forgot to mention though. to my
1: boss <laughs> that I did this. <laughs> And I completely forgot about it. I, I tend to forget about things after I do them.
0: Yeah. So Especially um, because in the creative field, so much stuff doesn't pan out. You can't get too attached to stuff. You have to yeah, what you exactly. on yeah, exactly. do your part. And then, you know, because if you hound it, yeah. it's not going to happen. And like, it becomes a pleasant surprise. Like planting a flower, you know, when someday it blooms and you're like, oh yeah, I remember planting that. Yeah.
1: So as it, as it turns out, as it turns out, um, Screen Rant has been wanting to get involved with WWE and AEW for a while, and WWE has always been um, harder to harder to, to broach, press but somehow somehow, I connected AEW and Screen Rant together, and so it became my baby, I was given a green light to just like you, know, whatever you want to do, if you can get interviews, whatever, just make, we're in, so that's what happened um a- we have a relationship with AEW now which is uh, going really well we're able to to have access to their talent um we're on their press list and stuff hopefully when they do more shows here in L- here in LA I'll be able to actually physically go and we can do some stuff with them uh there and it but the biggest will, that last
0: show where MJF was there had in that promo people were losing their minds yeah yeah, And I remember, I mentioned before the How it's Get Made podcast, the hosts of that, um, Paul Shear and June Dan Raphael, were in the crowd. I don't think they've ever been with their kids. I don't think they've ever been to a wrestling show before. And they were like blown away. <laughs> they were like, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't have the context. I don't think either of it. And I was just like, man, I, wish I was in the building that night, you know. The AEW shows are just incredible. They're incredible to be at. WWE I haven't been TV to one show- live. I gotta go. Yeah, maybe you, oh, know, you feel to like you're going with taping of a TV show to some, I don't know what they're like now yeah. with Triple H are, but you feel like you're almost more of like a, of a, of a prop. To some degree. You
1: know? Right. Right. You're a plant. You're like, you're a plant in the corner. Um, whereas AEW is so interactive and you know, it's, it's really meant there. Everybody goes balls to the wall, 100, 110 miles an hour to entertain you right. in, in whatever fashion that they can entertain you in, whether it's in ring action or, or an MGF promo where he just, destroy somebody on the microphone and you just, you know, you get so caught up in it or, you know, Darby Allen will do something ridiculous, like, like throw him, fling himself off the top of the, of the stage and the coffin drop into, onto, yeah, yeah. onto the table. You know, like those, those guys go nuts. It the is biggest thing that's come out of it so
0: far. Yeah, go for it. Yeah.
1: was Comic-Con. Um, yes. A, you know, AEW was at Comic-Con and so was Screen Rant and we were doing interviews and stuff. So I was able to have the six biggest stars of AEW come into our, to our Screen Rant um, booth as they were doing press for the entire time they were there and uh and I got to sit down and and talk with them I mean you know I I wish I had I, I wish I had more time I wish I had more than 6 minutes because right, yeah, it, yeah. you know like, I yeah, really wanted to get into a it.
0: cast punk punk traveled across the country in a cast to have that conversation it yeah, was not <laughs> I was, like, he, he was not the best moment yeah so, I mean, Phil, so I, I don't want like, just... to, someone had, had hinted off to me that maybe over the summer he wasn't too happy at AEW and I was almost going to like be like, I was going to text you like what sort of mood he was in, but I do not want to like be like hitting me up for inside information, but like, um, great. um,
1: I'll tell you that yeah. much and it, I mean um, the pain yeah.
0: itself or a guy, he's, he, CM Punk is straight edge. So he's not going to be taking any medication or anything. So if there's pain, he's yeah. it. you know, there's a guy who his skull and came back in half the time he should have. So he's, he's a little, uh, yeah, he's on his own level. <laughs>
1: I definitely, I definitely chalked it up to the fact that he was in pain walking around in that cast, but he was very kind to me. He introduced himself as Phil, which I thought, you know, I, I didn't I didn't quite know how to do it. I just said so. I, I, I didn't ask him what he, what he wanted to call sort of him like M&M
0: saying. Hi, I'm Marshall. It's like, you know. yeah, right. yeah like,
1: you know, that was great. Um, I got to do the thing with Orange Cassidy where you just, you know, you walk up to him and just well, and. Yeah. Yeah touch the top of the wrist. And yeah. Orange Cassidy never
0: broke character. He never breaks character. What a great gimmick to have for dealing with the public. I'm so like, here's uh, <laughs> just, if you, if you're not, <laughs> my sort of like, yeah, but yeah, but like he, it's like, he's <laughs> doing, he knows what he had to do to get himself over, but it's just like, he's just, it's, if you deal with the public, if you're not just totally tuned out, they're like disappointed. You're like, what a great yeah. gig. He signed yeah. an autograph. Like I'm sure his autographs are like a little squirrel, you know? <laughs> And yeah, it, I mean,
1: it was tough not to be starstruck, you know. I mean, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. Oh, God. Danielson was so kind. He's so he's he's the nicest guy. So easy to talk to. But you know what? Actually, of the six people I talked to, the seventh guy who was there was actually the nicest one. Ricky Starks was there, and I, a rising and star I,
0: Ricky Starks. He's, he's yeah. And I he's walked. Up,
1: and I, I I made it a point to walk up to everybody and introduce myself and shake and shake their hand and stuff. And, and but it's Ricky Starks was kind of shake hands. Yeah, exactly. I knew I knew this from being a wrestling fan, but um. Ricky Starks, I walked up to and I I just introduced myself and I chatted with him really really quickly. He was so kind, he was so, uh, and I was like, why aren't you in the panel? Like, why aren't you joining us, you know? uh, But he wasn't part of, he just wasn't part of that, of that that press deal, but he was such a great guy. He was so, he was so nice. He was so appreciative of just like talking, just talking to a fan who, you know, who obviously enjoys the product. and that's one so thing with AEW in
0: general that they'll say is, you know, they have a lot of, like, I, I'm a, I'm, I like Dan there um, There's a guy like Ethan Page who never really did it for me as much on AW television. When I started actually watching his blogs and seeing him interact, I sort of got more of an, of like an affinity to him. And then I started looking at him a little differently on television. When he entered the firm, I was like, oh, good. I was excited for him. So I was like, I know Dan Lambert's great. Um, people love him mm-hmm. i'm not the biggest fan of him but like i see why he belongs there but i was really happy to see him get that opportunity and part of it is because i i grew to know him as a person a little bit and i think that's something that wwe has always been very protective of of the personal lives of their wrestlers and i think AEW is a little ahead of the curve on that
1: yeah i would i would say so yeah um they're definitely more fan friendly which is not to say WWE, WWE talent isn't fan friendly if you happen to run into them for the most part, they're they're also really great and very kind. But,
0: you know, a lot of them have gone through press training, too, at WWE, I think. And that may, may be less true. the case at AEW. Unless, you know, guys come from WWE, but it's probably less of a priority because it is a more raw product. No pun intended. Yeah.
1: Right, right, right.
0: But yeah, so it's been we've been very
1: fortunate so far, and you know I'm excited to see where this Aew relationship can grow. I actually, it's funny when Soraya debuted, I fired off an email. <sighs> I was like, hey, is she do is she doing press? because yeah, I mean, I want well, to talk to questions
0: yeah, this is like a lot of questions. It, felt, it really felt like in the moment the announcers didn't even know which you know they're great announcers, so they might <laughs> I love I love that, yeah, that blurring line where I'm like, do they know, but I felt like they didn't because but I was like, yeah, got me. I didn't think that was coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, just from what I gleaned from from Twitter and, and 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 you know some social media stuff I, from what happened backstage. Yeah, she was hidden from everybody, um, and nobody knew. The announcers didn't know. I don't know if if if, if the talent knew, if like the Brit knew or or Tony Storm knew. Or the, the the wrestlers in the in the ring knew. Certainly Tony Tony Khan knew. But I think it was kept quiet for the rest of the locker room and and for the announcers to have that pure shock value because well, nobody expected funny. that.
0: It's funny, too, because we, we, I didn't expect it. You say you, nobody expected it, which is very true. She left WWE basically insinuating that she wanted to wrestle. So we really shouldn't have been that surprised, but this wasn't on right. my radar at all. And I was so, no, about, right. exactly. it was the same like last night, they, they got the great Muda out there last night. I, and I heard there was going to be a big surprise and I didn't ruin it for me. And I was like, I was glad I didn't. Cause I just watched some, I just got introduced to the great Muda really through this, the Clash of the Champions stuff. I watched prepare for this conversation. Yep. I was like, I got a lot of Muda to catch. I got to fill in the blanks between like 89 and what I watched. Yeah, 35 years of Muda. Yeah. But it was like, <laughs> they're really good at fun stuff like that, you know, and, and it's, yeah. um, you know, the unfortunate thing, we got to hope that, you know, a lot of these these surprises are people who, you know, were deemed that were not healthy enough or had, you know, issues with WWE. And we hope that, you know, they they end up having working out good, but, you know, because a lot of times in wrestling, there's the pop and then there's what comes after. But um I, Paige Soraya seems like a very smart, um smart young woman. I just watched the interview with Renee Piquette She did. I think I'm saying her name right. Mm-hmm. And um she's just she's got a real mind for the business. And I think, you know, well, yeah, well, she was born into do. Yes, she, I think Britt Baker needs the counterpart in that division. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think she, you know, Jay Cargill's coming along. She have to figure out how to make them all coexist. But I think you need a Soraya to play off Britt Baker right now. Yeah, and Soraya, Soraya is, is
1: obviously the biggest female star that's ever walked in the door. I mean, yes. just from the pop she got. Yep. You know, but she's also, I mean, God, you know, she, not just from her WWE uh, stardom, but also she, she's mainstream. She actually yeah, she she was a movie about her life. Yeah you know she's she, she a huge huge deal so hopefully she's healthy and she can work and she can wrestle because you know
0: i mean i mean edge came it, back she, we've seen people come back so it's it's yeah, it's real yeah, tough it's, right yeah right and it's like and obviously AEW just did the angle with punk which we'll get to momentarily about when he came back mm-hmm. whether his foot hurt or not and that was um it was a uh, i guess obviously now that we know we know i'm guessing punk probably wasn't he was probably in a certain state of mind coming in. So I'm sure that like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I don't, I would say, I, I don't have really insider knowledge on this. Um, I would mentioned I'd heard something on the summer, but I don't have insider wrestling knowledge really at all. I, I hear, I have stuff that I hear from sources, but I have no sources myself. I don't really talk to people in the industry, but, um, the, um, obviously CM Punk came back. Um, to to fight John Moxley or to wrestle John Moxley, and the lat- match lasted um, a very short period of time because his foot mm-hmm. was um it was re injured, and then they scheduled the rematch. Um, kind of a weird angle. What did you? Uh, let's go back. Actually, what did you when when that the Hangman Page promo happened, where um he had that mention about CM Punk before Double or Nothing. I remember watching it going. I thought that maybe it felt just like kind of a clunky moment, and I was like, "Oh, Page isn't the poem from where the clunk is," and I didn't really understand that there was the undercurrent of the Colt Cabana and all that. What did you think when you saw that?
1: I I didn't get it at all. Um, the whole the whole mention of of backs of Adam Page talking about how different he was in catering. And and I right. I, I didn't equate to it one bit. I didn't understand any of it or why it was mentioned. I certainly didn't know up until much, much later on that Punk was furious about it.
0: Right. And um and feels like it. sort of like he stapled on the edge of the Dark Order. It's like if you had told me that Hangman Page and Kokobana never met before, I'd probably be like, and obviously right. they have, but like they don't feel connected on television.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So I didn't know what I didn't know what any of that was. Um, and, you know. Double or nothing happened. Punk won the title. He hurt his foot. He was gone for whatever it was, whatever it was seven weeks, eight weeks. Um, but I never, I did not know that the entire time CM Punk was furious about that one promo that Adam Page caught, um, cut. And then, you know, Punk went into business for himself when he came back and cut that promo, challenging Adam Page to come out, even though he, I don't think he was even there. And the whole point was to make him look bad, I guess. Right.
0: Um, Which you, we have to understand. There, there, you. We have to believe that 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 CM Punk had some conversations with Tony. He he did say the one thing that hasn't much is CM Punk said the apology has to be as loud as the offense or something like that. And I haven't like that, heard yeah. a story yet about what that apology that didn't. If he's insinuating there was an apology that didn't meet his standards, it, it at least infers there was a, an attempt to reconcile this behind backstage. Right. Still doesn't give him credit. You shouldn't you shouldn't go into prisons yourself on live television. You're, you're risking other people's jobs doing it. I should make that perfectly clear. That people rely mm-hmm. on AEW for a living. And just by doing that, by what Punk did, he is in, in essence potentially putting risk in his job. Cause as we see with Warner now, a few moves could could really hurt the company. You
1: know, right. But I guess in Punk's mind, it was a receipt for something that happened back in May or, or April or May. Which
0: wrestling fans but, eat up too. So that's the other side of it. Is that, oh, it's like people, yeah. they love a good receipt in wrestling and Punk's a good guy to be at the register, you know?
1: I actually, but I did, I actually love the the really short four minute match where Moxley beat him for the title. I actually loved it because A, it was so unexpected. Yeah. And B, it uh, to me, it, it validated Moxley who was incredible this past summer. Um, yeah. You know, as the interim champion, he had to carry the company. But he, I mean, I grew up in an era where Hulk Hogan wrestled once every three months. And you know he—you never saw him wrestle on TV. And the, the fact that, that a guy like John Moxley, the world champion, was was on TV main eventing every single week, bleeding buckets in the ring, right. having wars against—was so coming, re- oh, so coming
0: out of rehab for alcohol too. You literally felt like you were watching John Moxley just become a new person and shed. It was like he was bleeding to purge himself of the old him. And it's like I'm not a big fan of the blood, and the blood's a big turn off me at AW. And he has—I mm-hmm. feel like somebody must have said something about that because I feel like he, there's been a lot less blood and I like this a little bit, like, yeah, I yeah. but like it really felt like you were watching something true to, John Maskey was shedding his, John Maskey was sort of setting, shedding his soul a little bit yeah and,
1: and he was carrying the company he was, he was doing an incredible job so I thought you it could was argue great. some of
0: those matches probably shouldn't have been 50-50 like they were but he was still putting on a show that people loved and enjoyed and you know and it's like AEW yeah, totally. sometimes is better in the moment than it is over the, the long-term storytelling which I hope you know sometimes they're really good at that but like he gave us a lot of great moments this summer
1: yeah, yeah, he really, he he really did. He was he was an incredible champion to the point where I didn't think Punk should have gone over at um at all out. I just I was just like wh- like mm-hmm. I understand what t- I understand Tony's plan that the plan was always CM Punk to be world champion. The punk the plan was for him to have that belt for a while and and validate his year-long comeback and then build to a feud with MJF. You know I, I understood what the what the grand scheme was and why Tony wanted to stick with it. Right. But at the same time, something else happened that summer. Which was John Moxley, Moxley yeah. and I and I felt like it was a mistake to put the brakes on it. As it turns out, <laughs> they What's... went through a whole lot of uh, roller coaster uh, loops to put the title right back on John Moxley this week.
0: Right, right. Um, and, and just and just for anybody who might not know about this, so what happened was is CM Punk comes back he wrestles a match with John Moxie that only lasts a few minutes and, and they, they insinuate that his foot is broken. You know, I watching it right. again, it was just with the injury to put him up with um, where John met him over the summer and, and you know, potentially in a decent amount of pain. Well, we know he was in pain, but um, so then he, um, they set up a rematch. I, watching it live, I was like, maybe his foot is broke. I'm mean, like, I, you know, I'm always willing to believe, and it's like, you know, it is a surgically repaired foot. It's like you can, it's, and I've had little foot problems, and it doesn't take a whole lot to be wrong with your foot to really have it resonate through your entire body. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, we'll see where this goes. I was at least interested to go. Okay, they're going to make you pay for the real thing because it seemed kind of foolish they're going to give away this match on, on you know, a Wednesday, and they're kind of popping a rating to some degree. Maybe I don't know, but it was, yeah, I thought it was a good setup too. It made me interested to see it. Made me wonder if it's going to happen, and it made me wonder who's going to win, which is something good. aw does now it's like right. you know i you know i wasn't i th- i would have bet Dannison was going to come out with the title because i thought that maybe they just wanted to just s- totally flush the slate clean and try to wash their hands at everything that just happened and i thought maybe he'd be a good direction to go in but you know moxie is a champ like i'm excited about too yeah no he's he, he's
1: been i think he's been extraordinary i think he is at a whole different level now and i think he actually proved through his work that he is the guy you know um Kenny Omega just came back and then and got suspended because of of, of what happened. But um, Hangman is oh, on
0: fire when he came back. I mean, he his, the the ratings weren't in his favor when he came back, which I, I the well because I don't, you know also he came back as he came back as part of a, of a six man tag with a trio, that's true. you
1: know, like yeah. so. He, once, he didn't have the spotlight fully to himself, and also the which, fact well, that you know you want to might have began.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then you know I understand the mentality of wanting to ease him back in um as opposed and not have him all of a sudden just giving five-star matches and carrying the company And we again. also
0: don't know the state of his body because he does have a lot of right. um you know he's taking a lot of bumps he you know he he played it up a little but that's one thing too is wrestling now especially in AEW, you know we hear these guys aren't in the best shape and sometimes they play it up on television so the reality of it is it's sort of like in hockey where you know somebody's hurt, you don't really know exactly where and you don't even know exactly how bad and and yeah. they're working you right? and aws
1: AW, especially, is basically a company that, that just works hurt. Their style lends itself to the fact that everyone's just going to get hurt all the time because they go 100 miles an hour.
0: Yeah. Um, Jimmy Guevara is lucky. Just, like, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. That's I my golf cart the
0: other day. It's like, dude, just, just <laughs> stay on your feet, man.
1: <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't know how, um, gosh, um, why am I blanking? Who's with Sting? Darby, Darby. Oh, Darby I don't know how sorry. Darby walking honestly I and i i've literally asked him this in person like how i don't know, how are you like i sat
0: next to him at comic-con i was like are you okay like yeah. you know like like no. i was a therapist
1: like are you all right you're and like, he's like i'm fine
0: man i know i hope you know it's funny the one thing i do here in wrestling is sometimes the moves that you think hurt the most hurt the least and the ones that you think hurt the least hurt the most because you hear that hogan really messed himself up doing that that leg drop all those years it's so the repetitiveness yeah. of doing this really impacted his back and his spine and stuff like that and, and it looks like it would even it hurt to receive let alone give you know it's right. like but like so maybe darby's like you know but i saw some stuff last night that when he was when he was going at it with um You know, it's like the thing of the A.W. is they try to make you believe that um, Orange Cassidy is really a threat to Pac and that Brody King is really a threat. You know, Darby Allen's is really a threat to him. And in the moment you do, they do do a good job of sort of selling you on that. You know, it's in hindsight, you're like, well, you know. Pac probably in a bar room ball you know orange casting probably wouldn't have competed as well but like that is one of the things i do love about aw is that you mentioned the video game aspect of it and i know some people that that's what everything they hate about it but like i like that feeling of like almost like when you play street fighter and you had these characters and maybe they weren't the best characters in the game but they're maybe the ones that were the most fun to play with and it's right. like you look at a guy like dan house and, and you're just like well this guy um he shouldn't be in the wrestling industry based on his size, and he's um, super weird, but he's also likable. And I was watching the, the, some clips of the journey to Hook House in the other day, and Tony Nice <laughs> just kneeing him in the head, and I was like, I felt bad for the little dude. I was like, and Hook came out, and I was like, yeah, help him out, man. And it's like he's just like delusion I I love. I was trying to explain to someone the curse thing the other day, and I'm like, it's like this. He does some, he does something where he just interrupts somebody, and um, he curses them, and and like it works a lot times because the person just didn't see it coming and they're caught off guard and something bad happens to him so then dan Housen thinks he actually cursed them and when i explain that to them they're like that's sort of brilliant and it's like this dude he's like i the the five-star match things always bother me because i I try to think it more i think they should be going for a five-star show because i think wrestling is more of a team effort and i think you you're not going to see a five-star match out of dan Housen, probably but he could be contribute to a five-star show And I think that's why it's important to have people like him that sort of separate. Not everybody looks the same. It's like when you, when he stands next to your champion, there's an obvious difference. It makes your champion bigger and it makes them. And I think having that stuff on the card is something that AEW is doing really well. Yeah.
1: And a character like Dan Housen also, it lends itself to, the entertainment aspect of it, AEW is very, very good at of presenting itself almost like a almost like sports. You know, they have an interim champion when, when the champion gets hurt. They do a lot of very sports related things, and and the company feels more authentic and grounded than say WWE's does. But I, I love it. But I carry like Danhausen also kind of engages you in a whole different way. There's a whole different level of entertainment to pro wrestling that um, is just as satisfying and you know as ridiculous as as Danhausen is when he just jumps in the ring and and, and curses you. Comedy is a huge, huge part of wrestling, which, yeah. which I feel is probably the most underrated thing about wrestling. But you know, one of the things I've always gravitated to as a wrestling fan, and my friends and I have talked about this for years and years of, of what we love and who the wrestlers we truly love are and why. And it's because they're funny assholes. Yeah. At the end of the day, the, the, the funny asshole is the one – yeah, The Rock is probably the greatest example. Ric Flair. A hilarious, yeah, Ric Flair. The Undertaker – had moments when when he was a heel, when he was a Lord of Darkness. Yeah, when you know. As well, yeah. Yeah, I mean Stone Cold was a was oh, one of the also yeah. the one of the Triple greatest H. funny assholes. Triple H, yeah, yeah Sean you know, a, a, sure. Trish Stratus when she was a heel in, yeah. in two thousand four was a great Christian, funny. There's so many of them. Christian <laughs> now today he is yeah. he's unbelievable. That Everybody dude, talks he, about. I will buy glory. every
0: face turn and buy every heel turn. I love. I'm there for both of <laughs> them with Christian. I think he's, yeah. he's amazing.
1: And mjf mjf is probably the ultimate right now of, of being a funny asshole. but i mean he really just is he comes off as a gigantic asshole <laughs> but he's very very funny also when he wants to be um yeah, so and i think to me those, those are the most endearing wrestling characters as well as much as we love Rick, ricky steamboat and respect him you know and we think the world of him the whole family man coming out with my wife and my kid riding a little horsey like <laughs> that's not what we watch wrestling for we, we, yeah. we watch wrestling for the vicarious thrills of being able to, of being, of watching these people do and say the things we cannot say and do in real life. Yes. And we live vicariously through them and in that alternate world that they live in, where you can get away with this shit.
0: It involves <laughs> over time too, because that Ricky Steamboat gimmick was very, that, that face gimmick was very similar to the heel gimmick they brought in with Kurt Angle, like a different version of it, but it's like. Sure. You're just like, it doesn't, people change and, you know, it's not, you know. All right. So let's make it, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the current AW. So to finish up the story, sure. so CM Punk um, wins the title over John Moxie. At a, at, I think a great pay-per-view, a, rest, a weekend full of great yeah, wrestling. Um, You know, I, I watched um all the wrestling that weekend, all three shows. I love them all um, in different ways. And so then I was about to go to bed and I'm like, they usually do press conferences. Maybe I'll turn it on. And I turn it on and I don't know what time I got to bed that night because I was excited. Um, I love CM Punk. I'm a big fan of his. Um, I, like I said before, I, don't, I think he's done some stuff in this instance where he's sort of done stuff that affects people other than him. Which I think that to me is is you know it's it's stepping over a line. That's my own personal opinion. But mm-hmm. um, I do, I the spectacle of it, I enjoyed it. I loved him cramming that cake in his mouth. And I, I remember <laughs> listening to hear someone else. I'm like, I'm like, no, like I can't believe he had a fight after eating all that cake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a um, bloody man. Right and clearly, you know, by it's been di- it's been you know dissected. He came out and sort of talked about um the Colcabana issue where it was um someone who a former friend of his, wrestling in the industry, they've been having some had legal issues over the years. They're no longer friends and. Punk has chosen not to talk about it very often. Um they undisclosed, mm-hmm. I think the terms of their their lawsuit was undisclosed. Um Punk decided to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> and um he sort of, of him under the bus. He sort of um yep. he, he threw the young he, the young box. He he didn't say my name, but he criticized what was inferred to be the young box and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page mm-hmm. for some of their behavior backstage and for well, the name Hangman Page. Oh, he did, yes. He, he accused yeah. them of middling their top babyface, um, which is a term that I had to kind of figure out what it meant, but I think I kind of get it. And basically, he <laughs> accused them of trying to sabotage his, his, um, his, and, and he is the man that has pushed that company to a higher level. And from a financial perspective, I'm sure he's his, their top merchandise seller. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure the Bucks probably don't love some of that. You know, he sort of represents a different type of, and I, I can't speak for them, obviously, but like, so after that, after he, he kind of threw him on the bus on the internet, he went backstage and, and, you know, depending on whose account you believe, the Bucks and Omega confronted him and other people involved in a fight broke out and involved in suspended sets. So anything about that you disagree with or anything you think I missed? No, no, no. I mean, that's 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 the gist of the story.
1: Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and I believe Tony Khan was the the CEO of, of AW was was not aware of, of the fight breaking out during the press conference until he was told a little bit later on by Jericho. Um Jericho came came out out and and he sat next to him and he talked a little bit. And I think when Jericho got up, Jericho was the one who clued him in.
0: But then Tony sat back
1: down and did 21 minutes of Scrum before. Jericho did a great job
0: in that interview, having known what was going on. Because I the people before him, I don't think I don't think Swerve and and Keith Lee did. I don't think there was someone else. I think maybe Jade or someone.
1: I I, it was Tony. It was Tony Storm. Oh Tony Storm, you're right. Yeah. 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 Who's not the best promo? Um they need to find yeah i mean she's a great wrestler not the best promo, but she's she's learning i mean she's she's got charisma she's got yeah. she's got star power to her the but, women's division is uh, a work um, in
0: progress in AEW. i think soraya is really going to help you know but they have a lot yeah. of talent
1: yeah i mean yeah there's no question as talented as their, as their locker room is and it really is an amazing locker room um they need more focus wwe has is light years ahead of them in terms of how they focus on their women not yeah. to say that wwe's perfect by any means with the way they present their women i mean but you know you can't deny Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair. And- all
0: ready for television. All, you know, they're yeah. um, and also, they- all mega stars,
1: all yeah. main eventers, all legit as big as Roman Reigns is. As big multiple,
0: as, multiple. Know- they have multiple dimensions. Bailey, another one, you know, we're yeah. seeing. Bailey. Over, yeah. You know, she's kicking ass right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, around, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's one thing, too. It's like the Logan Paul thing's pretty brilliant, especially because if you want to keep the belt on Roman until WrestleMania, like, um, you know, he's not, you know, Logan Paul's not going to win. It's just, it just helps them sure, get through these right. months. And it's, it's an interesting yeah. match, especially for. But okay. we're, we're going to get a spectacle. Yeah. We're going to get a spectacle. And, and, and Logan it's kind proved it yeah, work too. Yeah. He takes it seriously. You know, I would I even take Bad Bunny versus Roman Reigns if they wanted to give me a month of that. You know, it's yeah. like, you know. You know I, mean, I, I don't,
1: I don't know, really know much about Logan Paul, to be honest with you. But I mean, that I WrestleMania know. match you did with, with The Miz and, and against the Guerreros. Not the I'm sorry, the Mysterios was incredible. He was yeah. incredible in it. Un, he, he was unbelievable. I mean, do you remember when like Lawrence Taylor wrestled Ban Bam Bigelow in the main event of WrestleMania? You know, oh, and he no. he, he, was, he was decent. You know, like yeah, he better, than <laughs> yeah, better than Jay Leno. Yeah, better than Jay Leno. But like these Bad Bunny and, and Logan Paul, these these celebrities who nice. come in now and actually somehow become pro wrestlers for a night, like a le- legit pro wrestlers for a night, is just unbelievable yeah. what they're able to do now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the punk situation. So, so now that we're yeah. sort of in the mode where they, we put the belt on Moxley, we've stripped the trio's title off of um, the Bucks and Kenny Omega. And we're kind of waiting to see. There's an investigation going on backstage with what's happening with this. And we don't really know what's happening. Punk is also out for probably most of the next year recovering from a tricep it's injury. A right. Yeah. yeah. Which
1: is, which is actually a, an interesting dimension to what yeah. happened. And I because- think that might be a blessing in disguise. So I'm interested to hear that. Yeah. No matter, because as it turns out, regardless of what happened at that press conference, no matter what, Punk was going to be stripped of the title um, because he he just physically he got hurt and he physically wasn't going to be able to defend it. And there
0: were signs so, of him putting his drink on the the what we believe to be a broke tie step. So there was hinting that he was injured there because there's some some speculation, yeah. speculation the injury might have happened in the fight. I believe we know what happened in the in the match, and he knew at that time. I, I think it actually happened in the match. I think That's I think
1: they even I, yeah. pinpointed when he, he he did a dive outside of the ring or something. It was a
0: tope or and,
1: something, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was early on in the match, so he worked pretty. Oh, he worked well, the whole match hurt. So I'm sure that contributed to his mood. Um, and then there was speculation, of course, that he went into that. There was speculation that he went into that scrum already with with the agenda of addressing the, the Cabana thing. Like it, by the team. way, the
0: conversation started that what yeah. came across. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he definitely
1: he definitely began by picking out picking out one of the reporters and then and, and just right. And going right after him. And, he and, he
0: brought it's no. I don't think anybody else is going to bring up Cole Cabana. Yeah, nobody brought it, brought it up. up.
1: Yeah, he was he was right. the one who brought it up, and he brought it up right away. Right. So, I mean, I, I can't I can't speak to the hows and whys of why of, of what he did or what motivated him.
0: Yeah. Um, but it's an emotional I mean, moment just, too. coming out. Is this is still going coming out of that match? Like he's yeah. he's put on a big show. He's been in pain and he's still he's hyped up. You know, he's at least he's, he's, he's in a state. It's different than the state that you and I woke up in today. You know?
1: Yeah. But it's also a remarkable moment that can only kind of happen in aew i mean maybe now it could happen in wwe but can you imagine first of all vince mcmahon never would never ever have a press conference like that right but certainly nobody sitting next to vince mcmahon would ever all of a sudden just air out a bunch of grievances the closest uh, um, we- ever
0: with- wwe i can even compare it to was ms and daniel Bryan. that's the that's the yeah. closest thing and that's not even close yeah. but it's it's you know it's that's the only thing that comes to mind
1: yeah, that was and that was 2016 talking smack back when there was a show right after SmackDown that that did behind the scenes and uh, promos yeah. of having the wrestlers hosted by Renee Young at, and Daniel Bryan at the time and Miz and cut an incredible promo on Daniel Bryan. Yep. Miz um, did it right, yep. which which you still remember. It was, yeah, yep. it was it, so it was funny.
0: so it was so raw. Love Miz. Yep.
1: Um, but yeah, like that's one of the profound differences with AEW is that you again you could not imagine anybody with Vincent Man sitting there. Um, just kind of shanghaiing literally the whole, the entire company in 20 minutes. (laughs)
0: Love to see what Vince would have Um, done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not nodding the whole time that Tony was, which was interesting, but.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing too. Um, But yeah, I mean, it really did, it messed up the company in so many ways. I mean, AW circled the wagons ever since that happened and kind of really put a kibosh on leaks and put a and put a kibosh on and they
0: put on some good shows on. too without the talent. I think the yeah. television's been better than it was going in. I think it's I've enjoyed it more yeah. and it's it's a little more focused.
1: And you know, I mean it's funny because punk Punk was incredible. I was so excited when Punk came back. Obviously, um, I I I, lo- I loved his promo. I thought he was he was great for the company. I thought I really did think he was he was great. I did, but I just did not agree based on what happened over the summer that he should have been world champion. Um, coming out of coming out of All Out, I just felt like there should have been the same with the same with with how the acclaimed I felt should have won the titles on that night. Like you know, everybody said they should have called an audible, and you just. They were so over, you should have just put it on them there and, and, and just gone with, gone with the flow. I also feel like, you know, Punk getting the title, even though they were in Chicago, it just wasn't the right move in terms of, uh, of paying off the actual story that happened over the summer with John Moxley. And as it turns out, it, it, right. the whole thing kind of fell apart and, and, and ended up being put back on John Moxley anyway because Punk somehow shot himself and the entire company in the flesh, yeah. in I his injured flesh.
0: He- I also think, yeah, good point. I also think the acclaimed was the right move because I, at the time, I thought they should have called it audible too. But the other thing in hindsight, I look back and go, that was really a moment for Swerve and Keith Lee too, because they've been struggling to really get their footing and they were massively yeah. over in that moment. And I think they've done they a, incredible. A, yeah, they've done a decent job of of giving Swerve and them more to de- him more dimension that they're setting him up for now, their post title, you know, thing. Cause it's like, I, they don't deserve to be shortchanged either, but the acclaimed, they're, there, I mean then that's a homegrown the acclaimed is an act that was at like sort of that really low level and they've grown to the top and they're they're on awesome. absolutely yeah
1: yeah and when something like that organically happens you have to go with it yes. you know Not when the you crowd
0: decides but like you know,
1: <laughs> well, yeah. to disagree with that for the last 20 years and <laughs> when the crowd wants something you give it to them Yes. you, give you don't say, you don't yeah. them and, and, and deny it and deny it to them uh just because you can but you know, um, Swerve and Keith, as you as you point out, actually, I was I was just as impressed with Swerve and Keith in that match, and also this past weekend on Dynamite, um, as I was with the Acclaimed, um, be, just because of how well they handled their side of the match and how how incredibly talented both those guys are. I mean, I knew I knew how good they were both in in, in NXT, but Swerve is so good in the ring. So he's so smooth. He's such a he he played such a good heel against the Acclaimed. Yeah, Keith Lee is long. is was it. Yeah, Keith Lee is incredible. I mean, we I don't think they've even tapped a, a fraction of what this guy can really do. Yeah, no
0: one has. Um, and I don't know is- how you do it. I don't
1: know how you bring out everything Keith Lee actually can do um, because he really could be like the greatest thing in the company if you, if you push him right.
0: Right, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think is going to, so thoughts of where you think the CAAW should, can or should go from now, how they sort of deal with this mess they have on their hands and the parties involved and all the facts. I mean, at
1: some point the Bucks have to come back. I think Omega has to come back. have to come back. I think they'll be welcomed with open arms. Um, um, I think ultimately as it's, as it's being paint, as the story is being painted and, and as history will play, will, will kind of play this out. Punk will, punk is is the disruptive influence that will, be cut out of the company or if he isn't already um and everything will kind of come back to normal um you know i think the right guy to hold this title for now is moxley i think he proved it um i know he's supposed to be on vacation but it's wrestling as it is you know it's wrestling and he's he's the guy um but you know MJF
0: isn't in, is in the wings. MJF. And- he's hot, and it's like they yeah. they, they don't want to make. Them. And the other thing too, they can get Wardlow is bubbling under the surface too. If they wanted to get, they have sure. they have stars, and they and they're kind of as they you know, have so many stars. Yeah, 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 and he's overflowing with incredible talent. Yeah, the thing with the punk situation is, I think if I had to bet, I think Tony's probably paying off it probably is probably paying everybody and trying to just make sure there were not any lawsuits. I think he probably wants to mitigate the chances of lawsuits. And with punk, the, 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 the injury is going to put him off for a while. Anyway, at least there'll be time to cool off and get to see where mm-hmm. he's at. And maybe, because I don't, it's like the other thing too, is he's had two major injuries. He's had basically two major matches <laughs> and two major injuries this year. Yeah. We're sure others, you know, matches I'm forgetting and multiple, but like, he's he, it's like his body may be telling him something at this point and right and his career might be winding down um anyway it's it's sad it'll be sad if this is the way that he goes out unfortunately but you know he he clearly he did it to himself but also it's a very cm punk way to go <laughs> it is too yeah <laughs> Do you think there's any <laughs> WWE? I mean, obviously now we can touch a little bit on the other big story this year is um, Vince McMahon no longer in charge, which is what brought me to be more interested again in WWE. That was a pretty wild story that you go on. Yeah, for a that while, was. But, yeah, that was. A, um,
1: right, and obviously I mean, it's not unexpected, but right, right, yeah. right.
0: It's it's sort of is one of those, especially going back and watching some of these and hearing the comments he makes on some of these. You're like, oh yeah, he's always been. That's always been Vince.
1: No, but Vince, Vince finally leaving the company is like the pro wrestling version of Queen Elizabeth dying. It's like all of a sudden, yeah. like, yeah, it's like it's something it's like what we know. It all the back yeah, it's now over. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, this one constant in our lives has completely changed and also decided the course of so much um, is now is now gone. Um yeah. I don't know if Punk is interested in WWE or WWE is interested in Punk. I I mean I've heard for years Punk and Triple H don't get along. I don't know if right. that's true or not. Um it's, I it's don't know. If it's like ever- it's
0: like we also watched Cody Rhodes destroy um, a throne with a sledgehammer, and now it's yeah. like you know it's wrestling, right. You know yeah. But obviously there right. are people there are a lot of people in wrestling who don't like Bill Brooks. I mean that's that they've made them sure. Sense. But there is the, there is the idea is like you know is Punk
1: interested in one day going in the Hall of Fame? Is that the, is that something he, that one day he he wants to you know he wants to have that ring and and stand in in front of that on that stage and 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 join the join join the Hall of Fame? That's probably like the best outlet for him at this point in WWE. I don't know if they're interested in him wrestling um, outside of maybe one or two spectacle matches. You know, it's, but it's then-
0: weird to me how often wrestlers that have bad relationships with the company still hold the Hall of Fame in high regard, because I remember even Bret Hart said years ago, like this is before the Hall of Fame meant anything. He's like, yeah, but I'd come back for the." I'm like, really? Like in like, you know, I, I could see Punk coming back, but I just I you know, it's 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 a night to remember. It's a night it's it's a fake Hall of Fame, but it also yeah. like it, But it's some real dudes like you take a guy like DDP. That dude deserves to be recognized. It's like and it's like he probably he might not deserve that world title when he got it, but like now that he's doing all the great things he does for the industry, I'm glad that he can call himself a former world champion if that helps his marketing or anything. And he's a dude that deserves to be recognized. And I think that's right. a good. And I think, you know, I think Punk does too. It's it's just Punk's not a man who likes to eat humble pie, it seems. And it's like he's sort of I, it, I mean, it's like he likes muffins. yeah he does yeah he does (laughs) but like i just like you know that that, when you see that picture in of him and triple h finally just shaking hands and punk smiling it's like i i i don't know and the longest punk that i love is it's always a surprise you never know because like i didn't think he'd ever come back but um didn't think he'd actually wrestle to go in ufc but like you know i don't know it seems um seems more punk not to do it but yeah
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't know where P- where CM Punk goes from here. I don't know if he if he has a future in 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 the business. If he has a future in AEW. If this was really his last run, and it and it kind of flamed out in the
0: most spectacular fashion you could imagine. Right. <laughs> and I don't think this helps him. And I don't think this is going to help him get more movie roles. I don't think it. it no, no, him. no. That's a thing. Yeah. He comes off pretty poorly. You know, it's... Um... That, that, that's, that's the other
1: problem. You know, when he
0: left WWE, WWE in
1: 2014, there was certainly a movement and a feeling and an, a, a groundswell that he, he didn't leave the right way and he deserved better. Whereas the AEW story is different. He was given everything. And, you know, including the world title, uh, <laughs> that very same night, he decided to kind of go into business for himself with that scrum. Um, and there's, there's not the same feeling of like, oh man, he, he got screwed. You know, if anything, it feels like he screwed himself.
0: It feels um, like there's a lot of people who can say, I told you so about CM Punk. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's know, that too. Yeah. And WWE, I think, you know, to give them credit, a lot of times the guys that they sort of kind of turn their back on, whether they don't, don't think they medically can wrestle or whatever, they are proven right a lot of the times. You know, I mean, in Danielson, who I love, like, I really hope that he stays in good health. Like, you know, me too. Yeah, it's like as he might be. It's like he probably should have wound down a few years ago. But it was him and Punk leaving that um, really got me out. Uh, the really was the death nail for me to quit wrestling for seven years. So them coming back is really what brought me back in. And um, I'm, I found tons of things that I love. But like you know, I, I want them to be okay. So yeah,
1: me too. And and the same also goes for Soraya when she yes. if when she wrestles. I and you know Sting. I hope she can. I, I, yeah, and so, Sting. I don't. Sting is a whole different thing. I don't oh, know this thing is incredible. He is, he is the greatest man alive uh, to me.
0: He's <laughs> the, really the writing he's- his last chapter and doing something good for the business. He's doing something that a lot that other people either physically aren't able to do or emotionally don't want to do, but he's um, he's doing something great for the business in the face. Yeah. Paint helps. And, yeah. yeah. No, but he, I mean,
1: the things he wants to do and he's still capable of doing, um, i'm willing to do and it. and i asked I, I remember i asked darby that's a comic con it was like you know like I, I you know and he was like listen everybody thinks i'm the negative influence on sting I, it's the opposite like sting i can't stop him from doing anything he'll come up to yeah. me like i'm gonna jump off the uh, balcony tonight i'm like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: um,
1: How- sting sting wants to do these things and he's he, the fact that he still can and, can and can wrestle at the level he does is, yeah. is he takes really
0: his spots really well too what do you think we're gonna see Jeff Hardy against soon? I hear hearing rumors that he might be coming back again soon. I'm um, a huge right? Jeff Hardy fan, but I want him to be okay, and I don't think I don't know.
1: Supposedly he's got one more. He's got one more run. He's got one more chance. If he if his last one was his last
0: chance. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, the Hardys are you know the Hardys will always have kind of like that mystique about them, even yeah, though really, the reality yeah. of the reality of Matt being as Matt's physical state, Jeff's physical and mental, mental state, you know. But somehow, when you hear that music and they come out together, even even if they're a fraction of what they were in the nineteen ninety nine two thousand, there's still magic about them. There um, is, and
0: the fact they even ha- got to have that music, which is awesome. Yeah, I love the Hardy. Yeah, and I think in like the um. You know i was talking to for that you know i'm doing like this rap thing and i'm i'm, I'm doing like a character and a lot of his influenced by stuff like staying in the hardys where it's like you disappear behind something and you and it's just mm-hmm. your creativity goes wild it's um you know i hope he's okay i just uh it's uh Good. you know so um so we probably should wrap up something i want to ask you a couple more just quick sure. things do you have any do you remember um before we wrap up first first times you met a wrestler in real life like outside of like um maybe like at a show, like maybe in the real world.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Who's the first wrestler I met? Gosh. You
0: can think about it for a second. So I'll so tell long. you mine. I was at the um, airport in Providence and I was at the bar early for a flight watching, I think Regis and Kelly or something. And um, Spike Dudley was at the bar with me. And he was talking about, I think Buster Rhymes was on TV and he was talking about how tall Buster Rhymes was because he was the same height as like The Rock when they were on Raw together. And mm-hmm. I politely asked Spike Dudley to ask to drop me off the bar. He politely declined. He gave me a, a limp fist handshake. And after he left, the bartender was explaining to other people how that guy was a pro wrestler it was it was it was a sort of fun experience um you know he always didn't want to talk to me but um you know it was you know i was the only other person in there and you probably would have preferred the only other person not recognize him but it was it was fun so how about you?
1: i actually i it, it just occurred to me who who it was and it's actually a pretty big deal um when you hear the name but the first wrestler i believe i ever met was it was 1997 it was in new york there was a wwf cruise around the hudson river Right. And like like and so you, you know, they invited some fans to get on this boat and hang out with some wrestlers and, and go around the Hudson around the around the island back and forth. And so who, who was there? It was the headbangers. <laughs> it was um, Sonny. Oh yeah. Sunny. Yeah, it Sonny was Sunny. And head. it was and it was a guy who had just debuted, but then uh, a few months prior, then he got hurt. So he was on the shelf and he was kind they kind of weren't doing anything with him and he wasn't really important. And it was he, his name was Rocky Maivia. I,
0: that's um, where I thought you were. I didn't know. I didn't know that. But I figured you were going there. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So he was, you know, he and he was, he was, he, he had just come off his
1: his big baby face run, and he was he was hurt for a while. I remember. And I remember chatting. That a big baby face run is, um,
0: is, is yeah, his yeah,
1: best. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where, where he was booed out of the building. Die yeah. Rocky, die wearing you know, streamers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was,
0: so what was, I,
1: what I, was I remember. No, I chatted with him a little bit, and I remember telling him that you know what, you should come back as you should probably come back as a heel. And he was like, you know, that is that's something I'm very interested in doing. I remember he said something. She said something of that <laughs> of that thing. Like, yeah, I think you'd be really good at it. And, um, he's like, I and I remember him agreeing. Like, he said something like, yeah, I think I think so too. And then, lo and, and he, behold, that guy became the Rock.
0: Did he have that star quality to him? Did you feel like you were talking to someone who had a big future? Y- yes and no. I mean, he still it, had some bad hair back then. You know yeah he did he did have the
1: bad hair back then um you know they remember he was wearing cocky shorts he was wearing yeah. you know like a button-down button short-sleeve shirt um but he, I mean, he was very friendly but but you know he but he was he was nothing back then he was yeah. just kind of a, yeah and he, he, was he was literally a in, a, in a limbo
0: football player
1: <laughs> yeah yeah he was in a limbo and you know he was obviously thinking about what what, what he could be and what could happen and what would need to have what would need to happen for him to become what he could be um but at the at that time early 97 he who could who could have guessed who could have guessed it's funny you mentioned that
0: too because like i've been thinking um i i've been really enjoying hook's work on aw and i when i look at him i see a little bit of a randy orton situation though i think he probably has a better attitude than randy had where like he you know he came in he had you know his father's taz and randy orton's father was you know bob orton senior and um It's like they obviously Mm -hmm. understood the business, you know, uh, Bob, yeah, Bob Orton, Jr. Yeah. They um, obviously understood the business from a very young age and they're being very, the way they're being presented is being very carefully, you know, choreographed for the long term. And I look at hook as someone to go, he could be somebody that could be a breakout star, um, that could, you know, go outside of it. If he can talk, I mean, we, we're going to find out, but he has some presence. Anybody Mm -hmm. you see that you think is going to be a special (gasps) one? The only thing holding Hook back is probably his size, but in AEW, it doesn't matter as much, right. you know? Um, and if he goes outside the industry to do other stuff, it doesn't matter as much either. Like he probably could believe him as like an he, actor more than you believe Edge trying to drive fly the money plane, which if you've not seen Money Plane starring Edge, please see it. I have not seen Money Plane, the plane starring guy like that guy is Fraser, and, knew- and it's directed by one of the Lawrence brothers, and I won't spoil the rest, but you have to see it. Uh, all right. All right. I think Jungle
1: Boy has a lot of of potential. Yes. I think Jungle Boy has incredible mainstream appeal. I think he's also he's 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 a future main eventer um, waiting to happen. The guy's incredibly talented. Um, I mean, the the home Darby is Darby really is. Amazing. I think Sammy Guevara, Sammy Guevara, yeah. to me is is the total package. And and I know everybody hates it. I love him and Ty. To me. me
0: too.
1: I love the whole act. I love I love it. It's the kind of thing that that that. To me, is the perfect example of us of living vicariously through a funny asshole. You yeah, know?
0: I mean, look he at him. He doesn't mind looking silly either, him. and I like that he doesn't mind looking silly because if he took himself, to, yeah. he calls himself a Spanish guy, but he's still kind of like you know is he's incredibly he's incredibly talented, but also like I
1: mean, who isn't living vicariously through this guy? He's he's married to this beautiful woman. He's you know he's yep. he, he's making out with her on TV every week. Um, everybody, and he loves it that everybody boos him. Um, but yeah. it's. He's everything, and the other guy who I think who's really impressed me in the last few weeks is Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia, oh my God, I think, yes, yes. incredible, incredibly yes. talented. Yeah, I so hope they make they're, something they're, out, they're out of all this storyline
0: with him and Jericho. It's um, it's been a, the storyline's been a little clunky, but I think they're going to end on the right place. Yeah, and he got a belt I hope and a so. great match. He, pin, he he beat Danielson. I mean, it's like that's yeah, and he's only twenty three, so there's plenty of time with him. Oh, I didn't you realize know. he was that young. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's very young. He's a so, guy that I, mean, I don't know where he was prior to here, but he's someone, he's cutting the mold of a former ROH champion. Like he's sort of that sort of level of wrestler, you know?
1: Yeah. And to be that good at 23, I mean, yeah. the sky's a limit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's running world-class five-star main event match at Daniel Bryanson at 23 on TV. Yeah. He has um, basically beating. Jericho
0: and Danielson fighting over who gets to mentor him, which I know is kind right. of fictional, yeah. but I bet there's, those guys are probably mentoring him both. I mean, the reality yeah. is he's getting yeah. a, both of them, but on TV, they're fighting yeah. over it, which is pretty amazing. You know. <laughs> it's, it's a cool story. It's yeah. a cool story. Uh,
1: but, but again, that guy, the guy is amazingly talented. And, you know, I think you, you, got, you got 20 years with him uh, to, for him to become like a megastar. Um, you know, once he, once, once he develops a little bit more of, of the personality side of it.
0: Yeah, well, business is in good hands. I mean, I think AEW, I think has some struggles, and I think a lot of it might have to do with the high level of just Warner what they're going through because they're tied to the Warner Discovery, and like what they've made a lot of crazy—not I don't want to say crazy—they've made a lot of controversial decisions with with involved budget cuts this year. So that's that's one thing that kind of hangs over AEW. But with WWE and Triple H, they're they're talking about setting up NXTs around the world. They're, they're, it feels like the wrestling mm-hmm. business is in better hands than it's been in years, which is
1: oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But AEW, I mean, is responsible for really reigniting my enjoyment of pro wrestling in the last Same. two or three years. Yep. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I was barely a WWE fan in 2018, 2019. I still watch the shows, but I, I couldn't sit through an entire raw. I couldn't sit. They made it hard, day. especially
0: three hours. Was, the long yeah. time.
1: Yeah. But AEW is a fun show. I I'm, I'm super into it. I, I, I care about what's happening. I love the talent. I come out of those shows excited and invigorated and, you know, yeah, and just me too. like,
0: yeah. And, really, and that's
1: really, yeah. What can you, what can you ask for?
0: No, you can't. I just I, all I can ask for is that they keep it going and that they that they they keep the magic and the, the lightning in the bottle. You know, it's like um, uh, it's exciting. It's a great time to be a fan. It's like, it's it's really the fan atmosphere of AEW is is. I'm not a big person for going to things in person. I sort of like don't like the crowds. I don't like opening acts. I don't like all that stuff. But like AEW, I'm excited to go see. I think it's um. Well, they're in, they're in Boston in November, right? November eighth. Yeah, the I, I I think I'm actually closer to Albany now. And so I almost oh, thought I okay. going to that show, but like, um, oh yeah, you should have. Yeah, it's um, but I'm I've been to two or three. Little, yeah, I've been to
1: two or three. Th- those are sh- those shows are really worth worth watching. they are, they are fun to be at live. Again, you don't feel like you're a potted plant sitting in a cha- you know sitting in a chair, just uh, watching a TV show happen around you. You're you're watching you're 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 watching a, a wrestling experience that, that you're actually
0: actively part of. Right you now, know? I'm watching Hogan Hulk 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 Hulk. choke um, Bobby Heaton in the background. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, like, and, they get, and I, a lot of people complain with the length of AEW shows I actually appreciate getting my money's worth I mean if I was in the, if I was there for eight hours at Arthur Ashe Stadium I mean I I, I could probably sit there watching tennis for eight hours so I love tennis too but like it's a long time to sit there but I do appreciate getting your money's worth and like um, it's yeah. um, I, I have to sort of work my schedule around AEW pay-per-views because I haven't made the last hour of Raw in a long time is I am enjoying the product but it's like I have to watch this tomorrow I, it's not keeping me but with AEW it's like I can I, I stayed up and watched the scrum last time. So I only, yeah, I only watch, I only
1: watch Raw and Smackdown on YouTube. I, I just, I can't watch the shows at some point. I think, you know, when triple H has really gotten more of a control of, over the product um, I, I probably will give it a shot but three hours is just too much to ask now for me on, on, on and Monday. I think
0: most people who work for the company will prefer it to be two hours it's most it's a, but it's a yeah. big financial win for the company and you understand why they do. The, the thing I don't like about it is that unfortunately this is what they have to do they're saving their best match at the end and it's like I'm worn out by then you know and right. uh, I'll there. watch it the next day but, because I missed the cage thing with Loomis and, and Miz and I'm like I didn't even go back to watch it because I'm like well I missed the moment so I already saw the meme it's like you know but, right, but hey, it's, it's uh, too much wrestling is uh, not a bad thing to complain about, so no, I, we, and as you said we are the rest the wrestling business is healthier now
1: than it's been in years. It's more interesting and exciting than it's been in years. There's something for everybody, I think if yes. you if you really want to, you know there's somebody or something that you can that you can latch onto and and the shows are just enjoyable again. It's just and great it to like- watch wrestling.
0: I think the part of that is is the women's wrestling has come along so long, so much since, since in, the, in the time that I stopped watching it. I think that's brought a lot of new fans in, too, because they treat they treat women's wrestling very seriously now in both companies. And I think that's a great
1: for thing. For me, actually, well, for me, actually, women's wrestling, the women's revolution, as, as they dubbed it back in 2015, really is the biggest change and the biggest progressive move the business has seen in, in the last yeah. 20 years. I am like I love Sasha Banks. I love her to that's death. Yeah. Um I think she is a, the the most talented performer. I think in both companies, when she's when she's given the platform to actually be what she can what she can be, um, I think she's fantastic. Um, but I, I love women's wrestling in general. I love Britt. I love Britt Baker's matches. I love. Um, I think Tony Storm's great. great. Um, I love Bianca Belair. I love uh, Ronda. I, I thought Ronda Rousey was a fantastic addition. Yeah. Who. who somehow naturally became a very organically part of WWE in in such a short amount of time. I think she gets it for the most part. Um, Well, not for the most part, she gets it period.
0: so, Liv Morgan, yeah, and Alexa Bliss. I, 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 I mean, this, this. Alexa Bliss has always been great. Has she's one of the top. Great. one, she's one of the top merchandise sellers over there at WWE. I think she's yeah. like usually like in the top five. I mean, it's. it's she's very great. underutilized
1: the last three years.
0: Right, and this mean, despite that, and it's like I couldn't figure right. out how that happened. I mean, like, but like, yeah, she's great. I think she got hurt,
1: and then she spent some time away, and then just kind of things kind of moved on without her.
0: In the Bray Wyatt thing, you know, there was a lot of weird yeah. stuff about her way he left, and that probably impacted her a little bit too. But
1: right, you know right Um, but if she ever went back to her original gimmick like what she had in 2017 2018 the god that goddess gimmick um you know she should be on top again because she she can still she can still go and one of the best people they have on the mic male or female when you give her a microphone and let her talk she's great yeah
0: yeah and that's one thing aw do is they let does well is they let their they let their personality shine and i think that's what helps them get over you know it's um they um Yeah, it just seems like it is funny. It's like people talk that they're not competition with WWE, they are competition with WWE. I do find that people do watch one product, but not the other. And they do, and I do find there's even a personality difference between the people who watch one versus the other. So there is some merit to the fact that they are not really competition, even though they're competing for all the same sponsors and all the same wrestlers and all of that stuff. But it's the individuals kind of pick a lane a lot of times. So
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, I would agree with that. All right, we've gone almost two hours, so um, I got to make wow. sure this file doesn't like you know get corrupt. <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's been a blast, man. I really appreciate you coming on. That really probably.